Welcome to episode 16 of the Dimensional Cascade podcast. Uh, coming at you from Shoreline, Washington. We're not in the dungeon today. We've been promoted or relegated. I'm not sure which. Uh, so we're, we're actually in an entirely different room in the house that doesn't have a name any more interesting than the dining room. So uh, the acoustics probably sound a little bit different, but uh, we're all here. It's uh, myself, Aiden, and I have also with me... Tom. Ricky. Jesse. Um, Ricky's busy painting a warp lightning cannon, and uh, hopefully that... Pew, pew. <laughs> hopefully that'll make all of his commentary even better. So uh, what, are we, what are we doing in this episode? Um, we have our very first triple threat in the pit. Um, in honor of the um, Thankwall book that has just uh, just hit the shelves, uh, we have Belagar versus Scarsnick versus Queek, um, three competitors we've had in the pit before, but they're coming back now to uh, face off against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have tournament zone talking about um, some of the recent tournaments in the region, plus uh, U.S. Masters, which is coming up uh, next month, and then our. Focus for the rest of the episode um, is on horde armies. So in the Art of War, we'll be talking about how to uh, how to put together a horde army list, um, how to play with it, how to win with it, um, how to beat it if you're playing against it, uh, what are the weaknesses and strengths and so forth. And then in the Hobby Horse, we'll talk about how do you put one of those together physically, right? You know, how do you paint it? How do you? Uh, uh, are there any special things you need to do or or uh, any techniques you can use to get it on the table quicker, et cetera, et cetera. Like painting when you're supposed to be podcasting. That's right. That's right. It's a warp lightning cast part of a horde army, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's no time. No time. Um, so we're taking a break from reviewing things. Yeah, thank God. Uh, I, I mean, it, it w- I, I think we're just going to skip reviewing Kane altogether. Um, and some elves died. Yeah, some elves died. And we could uh, go through a list of the elves that died. What I was thinking I could maybe Yawn. do is <laughs> is uh, like one of those sort of three minute summaries or two minute summaries and see if I can like get out the whole plot of in a rap. Do it in a rap. I was actually just going to do it, you know, like auctioneer style. No, yeah, we can. What if we all super fast? What if we all uh, put together a cane haiku? A cane haiku. That sounds and, awesome. Uh, we each of, we each deliver our cane haiku. Yeah. <laughs> yep. What is see who sums it up best. It's a Japanese poem with three lines, and then each line um, has a different number of syllables depending on the style of haiku. But then generally seven five seven, right? Five seven five. Five seven five. Five seven five. Yes. That sounds way too involved for me. Yeah, that's all right. You can just print your, print your pretty pictures. You should know it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you know all art. Yeah. All right, cane haikus then for. Uh, for next <laughs> next episode. I think we're That's all awesome. way more excited about Thanquall than about Kane, right? Well, when yeah. you think about yeah. it, uh, let's see, Tom, you have a dwarf army. Ricky has dwarves, night goblins, and Skaven. Jesse has a Skaven army. And I play a ton with Ricky Skaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we are uh, three quarters of Skaven players here. So, yes, definitely much more excited for Thanquall. Um, they didn't even get the elves right in Kane. I mean, it was all the crappy, boring elves that everybody plays instead of the wood elves. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, so that's the intro. Um, let's roll right into the pit. The pit. The pit. The pit. Five times, Queek was sure he had landed a telling stroke, but each time, Belagar shifted his shield in a flash of blue and gold. With nothing but a few scratch marks to show for his efforts, the shrewd Skaven next attempted to draw his opponent into overextending. 
Queek taunted the dwarf about their previous encounters, speaking of how he had slain Belgar's brother. Boo. The dwarf king's eyes flickered to the skull, matted beard impaled upon the skaven's back banner. In his growing rage and frustration at being unable to smash his hated foe, Belgar finally made the smallest mistake. Dun, dun, dun. And all Queek had ever needed was the slightest of openings. Catching a blow from Queek's blade upon his shield, King Belgar prepared for a second swipe from the spike in the dwarf gouger. Instead, with a lightning-quick pirouette, Queek spun outside of the king's shield, putting all his weight and momentum into a backhand blow with the chisel-tipped edge of the vicious maul. For his troubles, Queek received a buffeted blow from the dwarf's shield, caving a dent into his helm and sending him sprawling. Even as he tumbled upright, Queek was licking fresh dwarf blood off of his beloved maul pick. Once beyond Belagar's infernal shield, Dwarf Gouger had again lived up to its name, punching through Gromrail and delivering a deep stab into the king's side. Bleeding but defiant, King Belagar charged anew, quickly closing the gap between the two. And that is exactly what's going to happen today. All right. Well, last time Belagar beat the living daylights out of both of these guys. Yeah, he did. I think... Um Queek definitely only lasted one round of combat. Because I don't think anyone lasted more than <coughs> one round of combat. Scarsic until we got might to, have got uh, a couple of wounds on him with the prodder. With the prodder, yeah. Beforehand, but yeah. Um, well, this will be interesting to see what happens. So, so Tom, you're going to run Belagar. Yeah. And Ricky is running Gobla and Skarsnik. <laughs> Gobbler and Skarsnik. <laughs> Gobbler is the special character. Skarsnik's just his herder. Yeah. And uh, Queek. Uh, is going to be piloted by Jesse, who has yes, got sir. some cool Skaven dice to roll for him. Um, all right, so... And these two evil creatures are not going to gang up on the dwarf, right? Absolutely not. Not possible. <laughs> okay, so I will just really quickly uh, give a very quick overview of the special rules. Um, so Queek has to issue challenges, but gets plus one to hit. And plus one to wound when he's in a challenge. Um, that's going to be interesting when there's three people. Um, Skarsnik's not going to be in the fight. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> not until the second round, anyway. Right. Uh, dwarf Gouger um, <laughs> always wounds dwarfs on a two plus, just like uh, it happened in the story a moment ago. And no armor saves. And uh, Warp Shard Armor gives him a 3-plus armor save, and if he makes his save, it inflicts a strength 5 hit against the enemy that struck the blow. So that's Queek. Belligar has a 3-up armor, 4-up ward. He has a Dwarf Lord stat line. Um, he has the Hammer of Angrund, which gives him ASF and plus 1 to wound. And then his cool rule, which is the Revenge Incarnate, which allows him to double his attacks once in a game. Alrighty. What and does Garsnick do? Stands and uh, stands and delivers. Oh, stands uh, and be sneaky. I'll read about him. Okay. Um, well, he's got a huge squig. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Gobla, Gobla, named Gobla, and Gobla actually does do. Um, uh, let's see. I believe he does Killing Blow. Yep. Yeah, yep. killing Gobble blows can be interesting. Blow. Yeah. Um, I have hatred against dwarves. Um, I fear elves. Don't care. Don't care about that. So he's got his prodder. That's kind of the thing that's probably going to work out for me. Um, I it's a power level five. It, um, it'll do D three strength six hits with no armor save. So I'm probably going to let Queek go in there and get Belagar <laughs> softened up for me. Then I'm just going to stand back and shoot into combat and hope. What, and we'll randomize who I hit. Nice. Can you um, do that? 
We're totally going to do that. I'm totally going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the rest of his blows or the rest of his rules really have to do with um, the, what, how he affects both the enemy army or the... Um, yeah. Uh, you know. We have to roll to see if Baligawa Creek yeah. don't show up. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Yeah, I think funny, everyone shows up on the pit. But, uh, otherwise, uh, yeah, Skarsnik himself, he's just got a six up from light armor, and uh, he dies. You just look How many at him cross-eyed. Do, do they have a combined? They do have a. Or? They have combined wounds. So oh, okay. uh, tough four, six wounds. Um, Skarsnik has four attacks. Goblet has four attacks. Um, Goblet is strength six. Skarsnik's only strength four. So. Yeah, so, you know, he's not a slouch, but at the same time, the ASF and and the Revenge Incarnate are what really kicked his butt last time. Oh, yeah, he's got mauled. Yeah, so um, has everybody got dice, or we need... Uh, got I, I got some dice. All right, cool. All right, All right let's, get, let's get a Jesse a little closer to us over here. Yeah, can you slide the switchboard over there? I, ca- yeah. I can move whatever Jesse needs me to move quick. Yes. I think we want... We, we can want spot. Oh, right there. Okay. All right. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be hidden right over here by my. Uh, by All my right. water. We're yeah. You can tell we've never done a three-way pit before because we're we're getting right there. Okay. Everybody, 24 inches away from each other. Yeah, that seems about right. Is that 24? All right. I'll be I'll be over here in my lap. Okay. okay. I don't know where Tom's gonna have to be there. To Tom's gonna take six rounds just to get into combat, being 24 inches away. <laughs> Hey, hey, watch it. Watch it. Oh, you're right there in the coil of (laughs) that. Okay, all right. So we have it set up. Thankfully, we have the larger dining table. All three guys, 24 inches away from each other. All right, let's roll off our first turn. Yeah, pass me a die. A dice. A die or a dice? Either or. (laughs) Just like sheep. This one again. (laughs) Sheeps. All right, a four for Skarsnik, a, a four, four for, for Belagar. And a six. Yeah. Right. So, so Belagar and uh, Belagar Skarsnik for second turn. Oh. One. Roll it again. And one. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, and five. A five for Belagar and a four okay, for so Skarsnik. Okay, so it Queek, then Belagar, then Skarsnik. All right, Queek. <clears throat> what would you like to do? Off, what have you got, Queek? Who are you moving towards, Queek? Now, what's the range of Skarsnik's uh, prodding stick? Uh, I believe 24, yeah, 24. 24. Oh. So I think I'll... Um... <clears throat> so he, uh, hey there, old <laughs> skaven buddy of mine. I'll start, I'll start moving towards Belagar. Remember how we both hate these guys? What are you talking Remember about? Remember how much we, we hate, hate this guy? Five inches is just angle enough that I'm, I'm just outside of the 24-inch range. Oh, uh, no, you can't get outside of the 24-inch uh, range. We're trapped yeah, in we're a, trapped in within a, a 24-inch equilateral <laughs> triangle here. Jeez. Wow. Right. I like this. I like this. It's the furthest you can be from anybody else's 24 inches. So how far from Belagar do you want to be? I want to be five. So we'd be 19 inches away. 19 inches? So, yeah, All right. That's so that, that's about 19 inches now. You <coughs> All right. Give me Weaklings. that. All right. Hey, hey. You've got you've got no magic <laughs> no. in your shooting, right? <laughs> no. Belagar's moving that. six inches directly oh, towards uh, Skarsnik, but he'll turn to to make sure he's facing Queek a little I bit too. All right, what are you doing, Skarsnik? Staying put. Um, staying put, and I'm rolling for my winds of magic. What? You're not moving <laughs> anywhere. Uh, I get eight. I'm just gonna go ahead and grab uh, six here. And uh, we're gonna pew pew onto Senior Belagar there. Don't care. 
Bruh. Ooh, irresistible. irresistible. <laughs> so I mean, you can't use it again? So my prodder is now defunct for the rest <laughs> yeah. of it. Yeah. But here we go. Let's see. D3. D3. One. Only one. Uh, do six. I wound? I wound. No armor okay. save. No armor save. So four up ward. Yeah, ah, brother. Saved. Yeah, brother. How's Boy. that uh, poker working? Sure glad I have that prodder there. So prodders, prodders that, done this is the pretty much now. how it works in every game, too. <laughs> uh, the first time I cast it, it almost always blows up. You better hope Queek comes and saves your ass. Well, let's, um, let's get... Uh, let's jump right in the middle between these two now. Okay. All right. Let's go and march. and. Uh, how far? Let's make sure we're seven. Let's get 11 inches away from Belagar. All right, so... Wow, this rat's being really... Uh... Yeah. Okay. All right, so the triangle's getting shorter with Belagar on the right. Skarsnik's still okay, about 18 <laughs> inches, maybe 16 We've inches on the left. 11 inches between Belagar and Creek. Belagar and Skarsnik are still uh, 17 inches apart. So Belagar's going to try and charge Creek. Let's <laughs> get do it. There. Get there. Yeah, Let's yeah, do yeah. it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Right. So I need, so you need uh, a eight. eight. Need an eight. Do it, Belagar. Does yeah, it. Bro. On an eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Makes it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Belagar's in. All right. He's in with ASF. So he's got ASF. Um. All right, let's go straight to the movement phase, uh, to the combat phase. I'm going to use my revenge incarnate. All right. So I've got eight, eight attacks. attacks this turn ASF. with ASF. Of course, I'll, so I if have, you don't uh, issue a challenge, Queek has to. Yep, a challenge sword. accepted. Yeah. yeah, and he has to accept because he's on an old stone. So. Okay, <sighs> there's eight dice. I'm going to hit on threes. What's your weapon skill? Eight. Uh, seven, yeah. Yep, seven <coughs> on that side. So All right, threes. let's go, Belagar. Oh, that's oh, a lot of hits. That's, that's seven good. hits. And no, what's, no rerolls though, strength? right? Uh, strength four, but plus one to wound. So, what's your toughness? Four. four so okay. Three on threes. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Oh yep. That'll do it. All right. That's five wounds. Five wounds, and you said strength four. Yep. yep. So three up armor save becomes a four up armor save. Ooh, he could he could hang in there. And any armor three. save you make does a strength five hit on Belagar. Yep. yep. And your what was your initiative? Uh, four. Okay. And then ASF was all right. So I got to make three of these and a four up. Made two of them. So Queek is dead. Queek dies. Uh, oh, Queek dies. Curse Splat. But Belagar takes two strengths, five hits. Belagar, two, two strength, five strength, hits. Two strength to toughness. Uh, five. Five. So four. Four. Hours. One. Uh, I got a six. Is it a six? A oh, is it a one? Yeah. yeah. It's given the, the special icon would be a one. Okay, so he takes so one strength five yep. hit. So five off armor. And four up ward. Takes nope. a wound. Takes a wound. Dude, All lucky right. this Garsnick. Belagar's going to take his reform over All the right. dead Creek, body of Creek. Dies. Creek. Creek, you were supposed to do something. Wow, he did. Bro. He did a wound. How yeah. did that uh, head <laughs> taken go for you, Creek? Take any heads? <laughs> uh, okay, it's Garsnick's turn. So I have, I've used up the revenge I know, that's the now. only thing. That and means I have two rounds of I only have two combat. wounds left. Oh, if yeah. only you could do a bit of prodding on me now. No, I, but you'd like that. I'm going to just go ahead and de <laughs> declare a charge. Yeah. Um, I'm at 15 now, so I need uh, double oh, sixes. But oh. oh, double sixes. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm on fire with double sixes Whoa. tonight. So yeah, there I'm you go. In. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, uh, okay. 
Go just, ahead and uh, you, you cause any fear. Other, you can't do any other spells. I can't. No, no. Mm, so man. let's just go to you punching me in the face a little okay, bit. Okay. So four attacks. Does Goblin cause fear or anything? No. No. Right. I do hate goblins, and so I do you hate, hate me. You. Okay. So, uh, weapon skill lower than eight. I take it. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, three misses. What's uh, what's um, Scarsnick's initiative? I'm initiative five. Uh, no rerolls then. I, I hate him. Oh, you hate him. Okay. I hate him. And That's I get three hits. All right, three total. hits total. Um, toughness four, right? Tough four, so yeah. So wounding on threes. Three wounds. Three wounds. All right. Um, and that's, I just have light armor, so, so I get three nothing. wounds. So I'm down to three left. Oh. All, All right. So, so you're going to have to roll. Scarsnick's going to swing first. All right. All right. So he oh. Oh. All, All the hits. times. I don't even need my hatred. Four hits. <laughs> um, he is strength. What do we say? Strength four. So we need fives, right? Because you're tough five. So I got nothing. All right. So then Gobla's going to swing at you. He is weapon skill five as well. He does not have hatred, I don't He doesn't? Uh, Let me look. Let me look. Does it say hatred, Skarsnick only? No, it doesn't. It then says Gobbler has it too. Yeah, okay, so then we'll reroll these. That's good because you got three ones. Yeah. Oh, All right, oh, so there we go. three hits. Three hits okay. from Gobbler. Okay, now if one of these is a six, it's killing blow, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no killing blows. But it is one wound. Six, yep. So one wound. One wound. Okay. Um, um, six, so six up armor. Yeah. And four up ward. No, no okay, that goes down to one. Okay, okay, so I have the charge. And a wound. And a wound, but you did three wounds, yeah. so I lose by one. Yeah. All right. Leadership eight. Skalsnick's running. No, oh, he is running. Yeah, All right, so I am going seven, seven. inches. And Belagar's chasing four, four. inches. Oh, right. so I'm in it. <laughs> well, except that you go next. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. I'm declaring. Oh, I went four inches, so I'm three inches away. All from right. Yeah. Declare right, your charge. I'm declaring a charge. All you right. I have to flee. flee. I go seven. seven. And I go four again. Oh, you don't catch four me. Four plus three, so seven. Yeah. So You're I'm gonna, gonna be three behind again. Uh, rally, Scarsnick. No. Off nope. the board on a double six. <laughs> Goodbye. Double sixes. That's the third time. <laughs> All right. Let's run into the wall. Oh, and I'm Skarsnick off the board. squishes up against the edge of the oh, pit. Oh, Belligar, well, you I, punk. Belligar I have to say, I am pit. totally unsurprised. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> His rules are so good. For, yeah, uh, against other characters. Against toughness like four characters. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah against these first. characters. Yeah. Against yeah. these particular characters. Yeah. Yeah. What you need is to pop his revenge incarnate before you send uh, mm. Queek in there. Yeah. I, was, I was playing the statistics That's game. What I, I was if hoping I for. Just far enough away, I knowing Tom's rolling, he would, uh, he would yeah. double snake eyes. And... <laughs> <laughs> I was really once, hoping that he popped he revenge on. No, no, Tom in the pit seems to have uncanny luck. Uh, have uncanny luck until I come up against Siegwald. 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 All right, so yes, Belagar wins the triple threat. Um, color, Belagar color is the true king of Peaks. Will it be the same in the book? Who, Who knows? <laughs> Who wins in the book? Do we uh, actually uh, know that? We I, know, but we're not saying. I do not know yet, so don't say because I haven't read yep, it. Yep, I, I know, know, but I will not say. It's, uh, I will say I am pleased with the Because <laughs> you have all three armies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <you> <laughs> no matter what, I win. <laughs> <You> uh, win. <laughs> <laughs> no matter well, what. Well, I know that Goblet dies. I know that much. Mm. And then spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put spoiler tags on that yeah, when yeah. you uh, publish Hashta- the podcast. Hashtag spoiler. Yeah. Hashtag Hoppergate. 
All right, back to painting. <laughs> Why don't you guys just talk and I'm going to go. Bella Gar versus Warp Lightning Cannon in the pit next. Oh, hey, let's try that one out. Yes. <laughs> He'd probably still win. Probably. Yeah. Jerk. <laughs> strength two hits on him. Yes, yeah, strength two and he'd make his ward save. News and rumors. News. News. What's new? Okay, so the Thankwall book is new. Thankwall dropped. Uh, and we uh, all put up some signs and went and, and picketed outside our local games workshop announcing the oncoming of the end times. Yeah, because we haven't done a, a podcast in so long, we missed a whole like news and rumors about the news and rumors that were going to be in Thankwall yeah. about how all the crazy stuff was happening. And, like, yeah. Yeah, Lizard man will leave in the world. Uh, we yeah, that's right. Because in the last uh, in the last podcast, I I basically this was before any of the rumors had started coming, and I said I bet the lizard men are going to do something that messes up the the kind of the geography of the world. I was I was partially right. <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not their fault that the geography of the world gets messed up. Yeah, it is the Skaven's fault. Yeah. 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 I can't hear you though, Ricky, because you... Oh, oh, sorry. I was, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm painting below he's, the mic. He's painting below the mic. <laughs> so that's like a euphemism for something. Yeah, I don't know. So now can we even talk about this? Because now it would be a spoiler, whereas before it was just a rumor about just, what was going to happen. Now it's, now just, it's news. just news. There's all sorts of amazing Skaven models out in a great book. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I think the only one that isn't out yet is the, the Storm Fiends. And I yeah, think those and they will come be out. out. Yeah, and well, they come the out to the new Warlord and the new... Gray new gray seer. Yeah. And I am so excited for the new Grey Seer and the Warlord too, but the new Grey Seer on foot is It's I a mean, great do you like the little rat on top yeah, of the Yeah, I love stick? it. Yeah, Super holding the holding the warp, warp stone warpstone token up on top. Chewing away. Yeah, and he's just gonna be so great for like I I mean I usually always play with the bell. Um, but when the bell dies I, I'm always like having to put in just some like old Skaven model that I never had the heart to paint because it was just not cool, but that new one's so cool. I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> so what don't we we had in the first week of Skaven releases, we had the new Vermin Lord kit, right? Mm. Yep. Which That's comes in cool. five flavors the of five five different five flavors uh, of Vermin Lord. Yep. Yep. Uh, one for each of the major clans plus a special character. Is that clan. how it works out? One for mm -hmm. the major clans. Ash, Pretty much. Eshin, there's an Eshin one. There's a Pestilence one. There's a um, Scryer. Is, a, is there a scryer one? Yeah, the it's one that's the like warp the war. lightning one, and yeah, that's actually the, the strongest one because it has the four up ward until it throws the ball. Yeah. So it can dance around with the ball until you know that you've dealt with the cannons, yeah. and then throw the ball, and then yeah, run it's, around going pew pew the rest of the game. So. Yeah. Um, so the ma the major changes with all of them uh, are that they have now tough six, right? So they were tough five before. Um, they range in points starting at 500 and then go up to 650, I think, for yep. the special character. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's the most expensive. So there's two 500s, two 550s, and then the, the special character, yes. Yeah. They all have a spell that they can that they automatically take yeah. and, and can reroll casting yeah. attempts on yeah. it, right? Yeah, so my favorite of that is that the Clan Ashen one gets Skitterleap oh, and can so Skitterleap cool. himself. Yeah. I'm like, mm -hmm. I know that and is so awesome. And then he has a throwing star that is really good against Horde. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It hits a Does a one hit per per call. Per, or one per shot call. file. Yeah. Basically one per shot. model in the front rank. Yeah, so. yeah. that's pretty cool. Um. So yeah, that's a, a very neat kit. It's it's huge. 
Um, it's like it's almost it's as almost tall as Nagash, Nagash height, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's um, not quite as swirly and magnificent. Uh, well, the tails Nagash, are pretty swirly, but, but yeah, yeah, has swirly tails. Mm, also, has kind of weird feet. It, it, it does a little it bit. Looks like and he has one too many joints in the legs. If you like, count up the joints that are in those legs. It's, uh, <laughs> hey, it it's a demon. It's a little bizarre. It look more like right. cloven, cloven hooves or something yeah. like that. Than, uh, yeah. There's a little bit of beast man going on there. The leg just bends back on itself too many times. Anyway, <laughs> apart from the bendy legs, it's a really sweet <laughs> yeah, model. That's the only thing. Like, I tried to find something to not like in the model, and that was all I could come up with. And I just think, in general, the models are so strong. Like, mm-hmm. I love the, I love the new um, Berman Lords. They're just beautiful kits, and the customizability of them is just top notch. The fact that they made all. Th- you know, I wish they would do that with the greater demons, but I know they probably couldn't make one kit that would universally cover no. all the greater demons. But the fact that they were able to do that and give so much flavor to the vermin lords is pretty rad. And and then the new Thankful model. Oh, oh Thankful is so cool. Yeah. So, so Thankful is now is like on steroids now. He's, he's, well, he's now riding Bone Ripper. This is yeah. the big thing we were saying in the last uh, podcast was, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't ride Bone Ripper. Mm-hmm. He's just kind of like a bodyguard now. Have they just changed it so that Bone Ripper has always been massive now? Have they changed the fluff, or does some special event happen well, in the Ripper's book? Bone Ripper's always been a different. He's never been just one. Uh, yeah, he's one always ogre. had extra arms. Yeah, he's always been. And a he's bit. always been a slightly larger. But now one. all of them oh, has different scale incarnations. There's been d- there's been multiple Bone Rippers, I think, throughout the fluff too. Has um, there? One they'll die throughout the novel. And he just makes another one, picks so a new Bone Ripper, Frankenstyle. No, I guess he just kind of got tired of messing around and just found a. I don't even know what this new Bone Ripper is. He's he's too big to be an ogre. He looks more like a That's like a help at abomination or something. He's yeah. a bomb sized rat mm-hmm. ogre. Cool. And again, and you can build two versions of him, right? A cybernetic, a cybernetic rat ogre on top yeah. of that. Yeah. 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 Is, uh, yeah, you can take a close combat one or a pew pew one. And uh, I, I like the close combat one. I think it oh, looks yeah. way cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, you could do two arms of each, though, so you can so play you can either him as either. Yeah, yeah you could. magnetize the, the fists. Yeah. yeah, you could do that, too. Probably easy to do. Um, he's unbreakable, which is kind of neat. And he's one of those combined profile models like mm-hmm. they've been doing with all the monsters in End Times. So um, he's got a ton of wounds. He's still only tough five, though. Um, but a four-up ward and unbreakable is kind of neat. Um, and I think he's got, what, like eight wounds or something? Yeah, and he can regain a wound every turn, Yeah, I think, somehow. Yeah. Like rolls so the dice. And, and he doesn't back. take wounds from eating Warpstone tokens. And he's got a bunch of extra ones. Um, so he, he's a really cool model. He's 650 points. Um, I think he kind of allows you to not take the bell, right? He would re- oh, yeah. re- replace, replace the bell. Like, now, the cool the thing about the model is it's a gray seer on top of a rat ogre, right? Yeah. And when you think about what the bell is, it's a gray seer on top of a bell, which they say you use the rat ogre for combat. Yeah. So you can, and it's the exact same base size, so you could throw Thankful in your army as a proxy for a bell if you mm. want without yeah. any trouble. And if people complain about it, punch them in the face. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also pretty handy for those tournaments where they say no special characters. It's just or general else. advice for, no when, uh, for when people disagree with you when playing Warhammer. Mm, just yes. punch yeah. them in the face. Yeah. That yeah. would be my uh, yeah. general advice. <laughs> it's interesting now because you can no longer buy the old Thankwall and Bone Ripper models. 
and yet the old Thankwall and Bone Ripper rules are what will be mm. allowed at, at right. That's at still what you... heavily comp tournaments. Hmm. So or, like, yeah, just any non-end times tournament. Yeah, that. exactly. So how how do you how do you figure that out, right? You know, how do you? You just have to have a Gracier and a Rat Ogre and just yeah, run them a proxy that way. and uh, it just gets it gets stupid very quickly. Boring. Play end times, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we just gotta wait for the Swedes to catch up. Yeah, they won't do any of the end time stuff. They've they've said that they're not gonna do uh, any. I don't know what how that's gonna work with the new Vermin Lords either because. Right, you know. Um, I mean, you just have to use the old, the old vermin lord, which means his no rules at least his rules, which means nobody will take him. Yeah, um, unless you're like me and want to run double vermin lord, which we'll get to in a minute. <laughs> Seems like most tournaments currently are using Swedish in some capacity or another, right? Um, the Swedish comp system. The, there's have popped up lately. Yeah. There's a bunch locally that have, but like nationally, it's still there's plenty of tournaments not running it. Um, and uh, it just happens that that a bunch that we're going to and talking about are all using it at the mm -hmm. moment. But like uh, once we hit uh, April, May, and June, the tournaments in those months, none of them are using Swedish at the moment. So. Yeah, so um, other news outside of Thankwall? So there's rumors now for the uh, the last End Time book already, mm. which is, uh, I think it's named uh, End Times Archaeon. Right. Well, that makes sense. And we, of course, mm -hmm. I mean, they've kind of alluded to that at the end of the Thankwall book as but well. But interestingly, it's rumored that it's very heavily focused on corn mm -hmm. rather than a Chaos United kind of thing. It's Interesting. It's supposed to be a very corny invasion. <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only model a lot of people have really, you know, kind of, kind of validated is coming out is there is going to be a new plastic uh, bloodthirster blood mm -hmm. and it's uh -huh. going to be a multi-kit kind of like what uh, Ricky was saying is there's so a we'll get a, a, a Scarbrand there'll be a Scarbrand mm -hmm. and probably a new special bloodthirster they make up they'll probably they'll probably try to integrate it into 40k I'm sure just oh yeah of, you know well the model will cross kind of like Bellacore which they can use in either either line but they said it's going to be at least three different kits. So there's going to be a That's you know, just your general Bloodthirster and a couple others as well. There's supposedly a, a con version of the Blight Kings, like mm -hmm. Uber Chosen. Yeah, cool. Uber Chosen of Corn. That sounds cool too. It's interesting that it's corn because uh, there's it's been. It's always corn or Nurgle with GW there. But no, there's yeah, been pretty much too. no mention of corn in any of the books so far, mm -hmm. right? Um, in obviously, Glockin was in entirely Nurgle. Mm -hmm. um, but. Like Kairos has been popping up. Yeah, Kairos has been kind of part of the Vanguard. And yeah, and even Slanesh was mentioned a fair bit in in Kane or here and there anyway in Kane. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, we've had no mention of corn whatsoever, so that's interesting. Not, uh, the that one corn uh, fly girl. Oh, Valkia. Yeah. Wasn't she running a yeah, in the she's Dark Elf land? She yeah. was, but that's like kind of all that was really mentioned. It was. Yeah, it didn't go into depth, and that it was just like oh, dark yeah. elves decide they have to leave. They have to leave because Valkyrie is coming, yeah, wrecked us. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, you know that that sounds cool. I'm excited to see that. I like I mean, corn. Like I said, when we were going through our chaos gods, mm. corn is my favorite. Of so. course, it's just led to insane amounts of rage among the Zeech and Slanesh <laughs> fans yeah, just who feel cheated of that they never get anything. Announce um, anything to do with GW, and it will lead to <laughs> immense amounts of rage. Huge amounts of rage. GW announces prices slashed by 50%. Rage! No, I want expensive models, <laughs> goddammit! <laughs> um, 
You're killing our perceived value. <laughs> now I can't be a snob. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what announcement GW could ever make and not be met with rage. It's like the most opinionated nerds on the planet play Warhammer, it seems. You and know what? I think all I can so imagine much. an announcement GW could make right now that would not be met with huge amounts of rage. Square yeah. bases, which is that they're sticking with square <laughs> bases <laughs> for one. <laughs> yeah, that's the latest rumor, isn't it? From uh, has, has anybody actually seen the picture in the flesh that was not in the flesh, not yeah. in the flesh, but yeah. it, it was in White Dwarf apparently. So it's really yeah. Didn't you get all the White Dwarfs, Ricky? I did, but I didn't look in them. <laughs> Ricky, damn it, Ricky! What sort of journalist are you? I'm, I'm trying to paint your model. Shut up. <laughs> no, I did buy. I did buy them, but um, it wasn't in the. I did look through the one with the um, uh, the vermin, the the new storm vermin. Yeah, the, rat the storm fiends. Storm so fiends. First was but I, I didn't see it in there. Mm-hmm. So and I was and I was I did look through all those photos through that one, kind of looking for round bases, and I didn't see any. So hmm. so I don't know. So first there was a bunch of general rumors about ninth edition and some major changes that were going to happen. One of the tentative ones was that uh, Warhammer would be switching to a kind of round base 40 K like system. And that was, that was over. I mean, I think the first rumors were almost a year ago. I remember, I yeah, remember seeing a lot of doom and nobody gloom. Nobody believed it. You know, there were a few people on the forums who were saying, Oh, ninth edition is going to completely change. And the end times as we know it are, are actually going to stick. Ninth edition is going to be, you know, skirmish only, no ranks. Um, all the characters are dead. And it's going to be a totally different game. And everybody just about laughed them out in the room. And so I think any time, you know, these these rumors come in, that, that might validate that everyone's kind of uh, overreacting and freaking out and being uh, being very, very scared. I kind of believe it now, though. Mm-hmm. That, so there was this picture that is in White Dwarf of um, a screaming bell on a round base. Two screaming bells, Two I think. screaming yeah. bells on round bases, which is really, like, in... The way Warhammer currently plays, it's one of the least, it's one of the things that seems like it would work least well on a round base because it's a big old thing that needs to be in a unit being pushed around by a bunch of rats. So it's really hard to imagine how that works in a kind of skirmishy round base game. And what a lot of people are talking about, and obviously this isn't even a rumor, this is wild speculation, but they're saying, (laughs) you know, ninth edition is going to have options for all units that if you want, you can use them as a rank and file or you can use them as a skirmish and it'll allow you to use round bases. So they'll say... I don't know how that could possibly work. uh, They could say, you know, your clan rats could be a ranked unit and they get rank bonuses or they could be a skirmish unit and get one of these bonuses, right? I mean, whether whether they're a special uh, clan that gets bonuses or whether they're something more like gutter runners... So then you um, need two versions of everything in your army. And you'll need new codexes with all the new rules as well. <laughs> so, yeah, that's 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 the latest kind of speculation going on. But nobody's going to know until at least April or May when, when the new edition gets a little bit closer. It, it feels hard to believe. Round bases? Yeah, I mean... Oh, we've got a naysayer <laughs> among us. I... I, you know, I won't be surprised by it if it does happen, but it seems... Like a really bad un- idea. Well, it seems like a bad idea. It seems like a really unusual idea because it's like, I mean, so much effort you put into creating the look and feel of your army. The um, the base is a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. And if you are playing an army like Skaven where you have 200 models in there, um, that is is pretty horrific to then say oh well now everything has to be on round bases so you got to 
So then you think, oh, screw that! I'll just buy a new army on mm. round bases instead. I, I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe for a second <laughs> really they'll, they'll force you to change your bases. Model. I mean, it's just, it, it's impossible. It would, I, I couldn't. No, they won't force you, but the no. rules will be such that you are gonna yeah. want to get your round bases. It's gonna have to be an option. I mean, because there's just no way. I mean, okay, well, I'm still playing Skavens, and I have 200 rats on circle bases. How am I gonna even move them? I'm gonna spend an hour in the movement phase before I. Uh, You'll get, get a special tray with a little <laughs> with little round <laughs> slots in it. No, I think I think you'll see round bases in ninth edition, but they won't be they won't be mandatory. They can't be mandatory. The the mm -hmm. only thing that I do like about that is it implies that we no longer have like finicky line of sight rules. You mm -hmm. know, everything should be more like especially for a skirmishery. Oh yeah, a single character can see over his right mm -hmm. shoulder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. But, but I hope it doesn't change the way the movement phase plays to just like a yeah. 40k movement phase where you move any way you yeah, want. Yeah, because that would kind of feel weird. Because that's where that's, our tactics are, bro. Yeah, that's where we really, you know, that's where the game, that's where fantasy feels like it's special in a, a very unique way. So I agree. Okay, so that well, that really image with the uh, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> that image with the war, with the um, screaming bell on the round base was mm -hmm. supposed to be in the storm fiend issue of White Dwarf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not. I just downloaded it. It's not in there. A lot of people are screaming that that was a Photoshop or something like that originally. But yeah, it's, it, it might be in the one. Maybe it's in the one after. Well, they could very well be in damage control. But that could have been a mistake, you know. For, uh, for multiple people have seen and confirmed that this image is in White Dwarf, so I'm not. I'm not doubting it anymore. Uh, I don't see it. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a, We've got a naysayer. That's among right. Us. I will say nay until I can no longer. Um, all right, so how enraged would you be on a scale from one to enraged if this did, if this happened? I'd be at least ticked off. Yeah, ticked me off. too. <clears throat> Especially since I have, you know, I have two. Uh, yeah, just the amount of models I have. Uh, you have about <laughs> seven hundred on square bases. Be, at least. Be, yeah, I have oh, probably close to a thousand on rebase a thon twenty fifteen. <laughs> I would be absolutely delighted as I bought everybody's eighth edition codexes and models for a heavy discount. Yeah. So uh, if you want to keep playing eighth edition, mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, is um, the, the thing that would be most frustrating for me is, you know, the players who play fantasy are the ones who want the new rule book, the new rule book drops and we're like, yay, we're going to play this new game. Wait, we all have to stop every one of us and take the time to rebase our army before we can even play the game. So for some people, that's going to be a week. For some people, that's going to be two months. Yeah. So those people aren't even going to get to play this new this new book for two months just because they dropped yeah. that. And then, oh, I don't want to rebase my square bases. I'm going to just start a new army. How long does that take? Even that longer. still yeah. takes just blue just as long. onto a round base. One yeah, and you can. Rules. You can. Two hundred, two hundred skeeven slaves. That's still going to be a, a yeah. Feet. It's, it's a then, lot of blue tech. And then I, still, I did the. I actually did the math on it because you know GW sells their bases for the price of gold. Yeah. And it was it was coming out to almost a hundred bucks to rebase an army. There's yeah. no way. There's and no way. That, that yeah. and it's like, are they going to give us those bases? Are they, or are we supposed to just recoup that cost? They, they must, ha if they're going to introduce round bases, they, m and, and they want to kind of retain their long-term uh, customers. Maybe they don't care about us, right? That, that's entirely possible, right? Yeah, they might just be ready to get I rid mean, of us. I mean, you do hear that, like, <laughs> we as the fantasy community among us spend less money than people just buying Space Marines. Hmm. Sure. 
So and if that's I don't believe it. I mean that that's definitely that's <laughs> definitely gonna, true. I do right? my bit. I do yeah. my part. I don't know about you. Like assholes. the community as a whole, like there are there are thirty five percent of GW sales is Space Marines yep. Right? Yep. by itself. Yeah. Somewhere between thirty no and thirty five percent. And fantasy accounts for less than twenty percent. So I mean they sell more Space Marines than they sell the entirety of this range. And they're obviously trying to, you know, So if they could fix just that get gap. some Space Marine players interested in fantasy, then they don't need to care about us guys. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that, you, you know, you might be entirely right. The game will come out. It will be a very different game, and it will alienate all of the... Uh, existing we, players and we just won't be able to play it right away we, we can't even, if it goes to round bases we can't even play test it right away without at least some effort we can't yeah. just slap our models on the table and be like yeah let's play yeah it's like oh wait we gotta at least put put these all everybody on. get the bottle caps yeah. we gotta you yeah. know we gotta at least get gotta some sticky something. tack on there yeah. i'm still yeah. i'm still calling shenanigans i think it'll be an option <laughs> but it won't be mandatory well I, that's I what mean, i'm hoping yeah. too so the other big rumor is that they are gonna release the kind of skirmish type Warhammer game, which is kind of like a more like time 2.0 like, kind or of thing. Or a kill team for 40k. Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I would be all for and that. And they're going to leave like the mass battle side of fantasy as 8th edition. And say, until, until they decide to do their version of Apocalypse for fantasy and which, then yeah, they, re, they re-release the rules. Yeah, who knows. And they might do that just to transition us. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh, we'll give them this transition round base game. Be like, Warhammer's now a round-based skirmish game, so go and rebase your models and do that. And now we're going to drop Warhammer Apocalypse. Square Apocalypse. Where you use <laughs> big units of models on square bases. All those, all those square bases yeah. you just took all your models off? Put them back on. Yeah. Well, oh well, well, we'll wait and see what oh happens. God. I can see a hobby horse on rebasing. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, I hope not. Um, meanwhile, I'm, uh, I'm continuing to work on my secret army project mm-hmm. going... Oh my God! Is this all going to be wasted effort? Because probably the There's rumors just a little bit of glue when you do the, the rumors for ninth are are somewhere between May and July are the are the the dates that I'm hearing. Um, and you're running Secret Army in July, right? Trying. So. I'm still waiting for. The, we're waiting on the official date because um, Mox, of course, does their scheduling based around magic, uh, magic releases. Yep. And they don't have the July schedule yet. So, yep. Okay. Um, once I get that, then yes, I'll get the official date. But I'm I'm targeting July. So. All right. All right. Well, on the on that shiny happy speculation, um, I'm optimistic still. Yeah, I'm. I even no matter what they do to us, I'm still gonna play it a little bit. Um, I, see where we go from there. Yeah. I think no matter no matter what, the worst thing GW could do isn't half as bad as what. The majority of the Warhammer community is already speculating is going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> At the end of the day, we're 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 forecasting doom and gloom. We're like, oh, At the end well, of the that's... day, we still have a load of toys with rules that we can play exactly. anytime we want. Yeah. Well, At the end be... of the day, it's toy soldiers. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's going to be different toys with different rules that we could also play with. <laughs> <laughs> The tournament zone. Well, I ran my first tournament this month, which was kind of cool. Um, it was uh, King of Cascadia, which was a 2,500-point tournament with the uh, Masters Compact so that people could bring their Masters list along and um, get a taste of what it's going to be like to compete there. It was also the last tournament of the Masters qualifying season for 
the Northwest. And it's kind of weird because um, it was supposed to be probably in November or early December. And we weren't able to make that happen because the venue for Sparkle Party and for KOC hadn't opened on time. And so everything kind of got pushed back by about two months. So attendance was a little lower than we were hoping. And, and we had to kind of change the format for it because it was supposed to be the top eight in the region um, competing for the King of Cascadia title. And then, and then everyone else um, competing for the last place at the, um, in the masters team. And in the end, um, we just had to make it an open event. So um, we had, an odd number of players. And so I uh, was going to play to make it an even number of players. I got all excited because uh, I was going to then get a chance to qualify for masters. And then we had one player drop at the last moment. And as much as I, I was very sad to um, step, step back. And then Tom took pity on me, saw the tears in my eyes and said, well, if you really want to do it and you really want to compete for masters, there were literal tears. There were, there were, <laughs> it was it was a really yeah. Really... I was I was about to take a baseball bat to my models, um, which would have been really sad because they're actually rookies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> um, so Tom volunteered to to actually do all of the day to day running of the tournament mm -hmm. uh, while I got to play. Um. And uh, so, well, we sat down and worked out the math like the day before. And I said, to, as, as long as I finish eighth or higher, I'm in with a chance of going to the Masters. So Tom figured, that he looked at all the, the odds of everybody being there, and he's like, okay, I'll take a step back. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the... I didn't, I, you know, I knew that I wouldn't go to the Masters anyway because I didn't want... To make people feel bad about themselves again. <laughs> yeah. The that, masters, I appreciate so. you doing that for us, Tom. That's so a very, very yeah, yeah, uh, no sport, sportsman-like of you. Mm -hmm. um, so, <clears throat> Jesse, you were playing in it. It was. Ricky, yeah. you were playing in it, too. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. What did you guys think of it? Uh, I had a really good time. It was, um, I think it was the first tournament I've ever played in with Swedish comp. And so, the, 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 I think not only the atmosphere was a lot different, it was a lot more competitive. Um, but the armies in general were, you know, not at all what I was used to seeing. We've always played non-comp tournaments here, um, you know, the sparkle parties and, and some of the more local yep. groups. So to see people playing competitive, but at the same time with, you know, nerfed armies to an extent was definitely, uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. It was, it was very weird. And so, you know, my army being a themed army, I know Ricky was kind of in the same boat playing a themed army. You, you take a big hit, uh, with Swedish comp. So it forced me to kind of think outside the box. So you had um, to put vampires in the list. Yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not 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 proud to admit it, but Cheater. I had to. Uh, I had outside to take the, the box by throwing your theme out the window. Didn't see black orcs take, in my army, did ya? Did ya? So it's all Tom's fault. He he actually showed up that morning with a bunch of newly converted vampire models he had mm -hmm, made for mm -hmm. me without me asking. Corsair um, vampires. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> he must have read my mind the night before because I frantically put the list together, but. Um, no, it was, it was it was actually a lot of fun. I had some really good games, some really close games. Um, there weren't, I think, for the first time, I didn't, and I, I neither got steamroll nor did I steamroll anybody because um, the lists were so kind of middle of the road. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, your almost, your army's good to play for draws with too. It's a very yeah, and it's a very even 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 with the vampires and and you know a little bit more of a competitive edge. Still a very. Uh, very, a very soft, durable army, so I didn't. <laughs> gonna get beaten up too hard like I normally do, which is great. 
Soft and durable. Soft and durable. Okay. Soft and durable. Like, it's like, like, like a like condom. Like a, <laughs> <laughs> not, not the word I would use to describe my army, but that works. I was going to say more like a silly yeah. putty. You know, silly putty. Very, <laughs> very malleable, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. hard to hard to break. <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but there you go, uh, Ricky. Um, I I. I, I always have fun at tournaments. Um, I did not like the Masters scenarios. Yeah. And um, I'm okay with Swedish. It's all right. I still think uh, I think the Swedes need to take some other stuff into account. Like they don't they don't look at your general's leadership. They don't look at uh, animosity as being a big penalty. So there's things that orcs and goblins that I think they could look at, which but who knows? They don't probably care. Um, no, they do. I, I posted that feedback actually on yeah. their on their discussion board. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Sw- I think Swedish makes a lot of mistakes. They comp re- yeah. they comp you way too hard for taking multiple chariots and for taking <laughs> multiple three up ward saves. Right. And, no, uh, no, hang on. No. <laughs> you can go. You could go wait outside. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's just threw a bottle uh, cap at Tom for being an against real thing against warriors yeah so my suggestions for swedish were um if you because swedish right now encourages you to take pretty much the exact same orc and goblin list you can decide oh do i want to take two manglers or not do i want to take two doom divers or not those are about your choices um you're kind of forced to play a a gun line orc and goblin you're kind of forced to play like it's well it's a mixed arms that has black orcs trolls um and then savages and probably an arachnarok because those are actually fairly cheap so just play with that what's the yeah. problem so it's well it's just <laughs> forcing you to and they don't take into account like oh so you your you know your general's only leadership 7 so and this is something that I think they could uh, they could look at across all armies is if you take a general with a lower leadership you should get a bonus to your comp and then um I think in the case of orcs and goblins, the number of units you have in the army that are subject to animosity without having a black orc in the army should give you a bonus. So, you know, if you have five units that all suffer from animosity and no black orc to punch them all in the face and keep them from standing there doing nothing, you should probably get a small bonus. But that's just me. Anyways, I liked the, um, um, I liked the uh, random tables. That was fun because I had no idea who was winning or doing what. Um, yep. um, I had good games except for the one with Jesse because he cheats. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was it was a fun event. I finally won one of my own templates, so that was nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so we were playing, like you said, we we're playing with the master's rules. We're playing with the master's rules, which pack. has a bunch of FAQs clarifying certain unclear things, but also has some kind of changes to the yeah so so yeah there's a separation between the master's faq and the rules pack okay so the faq is is all the clarifications and in some case the rulings for um different things um the rules pack actually changes some of the rules of the game deliberately yeah so that's the rules pack that decides that it's swedish comp it's the rules pack that says that um hills and buildings block line of sight and that yeah. was the, that was so the huge hills, change which i think you know if you're going to use swedish comp 
then I think it's counterintuitive to then go changing the rules from the rules under which Swedish comp is supposed to work. Because well, it should change how certain things are comped under Swedish. For sure. And, and above and beyond that, and this is the thing I think was not properly uh, addressed by the comp system, is um, the, you get 50% of the points for a unit if you reduce it to 25% casualties or less. Or it's fleeing at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that also includes wounds on characters. Right? So now it's... It, we didn't actually play that on the day, but, but in the Masters... The wounds on characters then? The wounds on characters oh. we didn't play on the day. But the wounds on characters now, if it's 50% or less wounds on characters, you get 50% of the points. Hmm. So if it's a hero level character, you just you have to pop on one and wound. You get half his points. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Um, it also means that Lore of Life has all of a sudden um, become yeah, phenomenally good yeah. um, for right. for points denial. Um, yeah, so, I just yeah. can't help think that, you know... Play an Empire gun line with Lore of Life and just stand or back. Or Wood Elf Army, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, here's my avoidance and good luck getting any points. It's hard to reconcile the two things, though. Like, using a Swedish comp system, which is supposed to balance everything out so that, you know, good things are punished a little bit, and you balance everything out within the existing rule system. And then, and then you the go and change system. the rule system yeah. away from what the Swedes are kind of balancing things towards. Yeah, I, I agree. <clears throat> and I think, really, the direction that, that you need to go is uh, either you... Um, you accept the rules as they are and you comp the armies or you change the rules and, and make a compact that goes with it. Right. Um, and, or you just accept the game as it is and you play it. Um, now I, <laughs> what I a shocking notion. Well, just play the game. I totally understand what? why they don't do that. Um, and I didn't when I first got involved, but now I do. Um, and it's, it's that when you take, you know, when you take 50 players from a region and you throw them all in a tournament, um, no matter how you comp it, you know, the, the top 20% of the players are likely to be in the top 20% of the tables right mm -hmm. at the end of it. Now, you take the cream from each region and put them all together um, in a tournament setting and competing for the, you know, the top title. What, what's going to happen is if there's absolutely no comp whatsoever, um, you will get a very small subset of armies right in the in the field it's all gonna and be it will avoidance. be and and it will be boring yeah and so the people who you want to have come to compete won't want to come to compete because the tournament itself will be pretty dull oh look yet another warriors list of one up armor saves and four up and three up wards um or yet another wood elf avoidance list, or yet another, you know, whatever. So um, I, I actually like the Swedish comp for encouraging the list diversity, uh, or that style of comp to encourage list diversity. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think Swedish is a good system too. I think, I think if you're going to use Swedish, use it out of the, the can, you know, and use it the way it's supposed to be used. Swedish kind of it includes all the special characters so why not just allow special characters to be in it assuming that they um are dealt with by swedish as well as anything else is then there's no reason to exclude special characters still 
Agreed. There's no reason to change the rules because the way they change the rules is in such a way to kind of make war machines less powerful by allowing everything to hide from war machines behind hills. But Swedish has already hit the war machines with massive penalties, Yep. meaning that people are only bringing a couple of war machines and now those couple of war machines are diminished in their utility as well. So yeah. I, really, I really felt like the Infinite Hills was a little bit over the top. Um, I didn't <clears> think <throat> about it until, of course, I got pitted on one of the tables that had five hills. Um, strategic place in every corner of the map. But, yeah. you know, I, I, I faced a double Hell Cannon army, I think, in that list. Or in that army. And that was obviously what he brought the army as. And he was, I mean, I don't think he got to shoot those cannons, but two or three times effectively. I mean, he scattered off the Borgs. That's all indirect at that point. And yeah. Hell Cannons, he's already he's already spending so much to take them. And I actually, I mean, I kind of felt bad. because Yeah, and you know, that's, for a double Hell Cannon, you're taking a massive comp hit, so the rest of your army has to be and, crappy. You know, they're nasty. They, they're not really fun to, to play against, but it's still fair. I mean, that's still a valid army. Yeah. It would be comped so hard with infinite hills on top of that. Um, you know, I thought that was a little bit over the top. Yeah. Um, um, Matt Beasley pointed out that, that it's... Um, very easy to say that when you say the hills and buildings block line of sight that they're infinitely tall. Um, but I think the master's rules pack actually does not say that they're infinitely tall. It okay. just says that they block line of sight. Um, and so I don't know, it's kind of weird because then you've got like a one inch or two inch tall um, hill and you're trying to determine, and we had this problem the other day when we were playing a practice game um, what exactly is blocked? You know, what's mm -hmm. what's soft cover? What's hard cover? Right. You know, it's it becomes it becomes a bit tricky. So, um, you know, I'm if you're standing on a, a hill that's infinitely tall, then you must be able to see every single thing, other than other things that are infinitely tall. <laughs> yeah, or behind things <laughs> or that behind are infinite. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it gets... I don't know. It 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 actually I find it a little confusing. Thankfully, I'm I'm going to be playing an army where I don't really care too much. So. <laughs> Um, so the results from King of Cascadia, um, best overall was, um, Matt Beasley. Um, he also won best general. Um, and then in second and third places were, um, Pete Davis and Pat Carolyn. And I think Pat came second overall and Pete third, and then that flipped for best general. Mm -hmm. Um, Ricky, as he alluded to, won one of his own templates for best painted. Um, Shocker. and then, um, Jim Vessel, who's pretty new to the, to the tournament scene in, uh, in the Northwest. Um, he's from Canada. He came second with his, uh, warriors army. And then, uh, I think we had Chris Powell came third with his chaos dwarfs in painted in painted. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, so, uh, you'll notice that my name was not among the top three. <laughs> Ricky placed fifth overall, which allowed him, uh, um, the top three guys had already qualified for masters and, um, the fourth guy decided not to go, which meant that Ricky won then the last spot on the master's team and the ninth spot on the master's team. And then, um, I ended up finishing eighth overall and, um, on the rankings chart squeaked in by, uh, 0.1 rankings point <laughs> to <laughs> to take the 10th spot on the team. Wow. Yeah. Um, so thank you again, Tom. Mm -hmm. uh, so Ricky and I are, are joining Anthony um, and uh, seven others to, to fly over to uh, North Carolina in ooh, four weeks' time. Yeah, sounds right. Um, 
I to... think you bought the tickets. I don't know. Yeah, I bought the tickets. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we're, we're sending a, a master's team. Yes. In quotation marks. Hey. <laughs> yes. Hey, I hey. have no illusions that I should be going. Huh? Um, Somehow I just happen to be fairly consistent throughout the year. Yeah. And, keep getting, and you went to every tournament pretty I much. I keep getting a... Well, I think I think I have a record of 2-1-2 two, two for the last four, ten, four mm-hmm. tournaments, I think. Okay. So that's... You just right. go to a lot of tournaments. Yeah. And then make up a ton of points. Ricky on Fisher, he shows up on the day. <laughs> that's right. I'm a master at showing up. <laughs> hey, that takes skill. Tom still hasn't takes learned that Takes a lot of dedication. One. Yeah, I never show up on the day. Um, so uh, the master's team then um, is made up of uh, a bunch of guys from Canada. Um, there's Pete Davis. um who will be playing Wood Elves. Dale Johnson will be bringing High Elves. Um, Chris Powell with his Chaos Dwarfs. Uh, Pat Carolyn with his Warriors of Chaos. And, and then myself and Ricky, um, I'll be bringing Ricky Skaven. That's why he's busy painting up another Warp Lightning Cannon for me. Because <laughs> um, apparently A-bombs, they, don't, they comp them really hard in Swedish. I don't know why. I mean, they're so fluffy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why either. Crazy. <laughs> um, and uh, Anthony, who um, will be bringing his, uh, Anthony Greenman bringing his ogres. Uh, Matt Beasley, who's an import from the Mid-Atlantic region, but uh, lives here now in Portland, uh, bringing demons. And then we have uh, Paul with his empire and Michael also with high elves. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Did I get everybody? I think so. Um, apologies if I missed somebody. I'm doing it from memory. Hmm. Um, so lists and everything are due in, a couple, team. in a couple of weeks. Yep, this is a dream team. team. Uh, Beasley's already started the smack talk for all the other regions saying that we're going to finish uh, at least fourth. Whoa, aiming <laughs> high. Out of eight and higher than all the other new regions. What are the other new regions? Uh, the mountain region and the southeast region. So the mountain region is basically that vast stretch of land from the Mississippi uh, all the way all the way across the country that isn't claimed by the west coast or the northwest regions. Mm. They basically got the sparsely populated states. Um, and uh, the southeast is like Florida and... Um, uh, all around that area. Um, then the South is, you know, uh, Tennessee through Texas, I think. Um, there's a map of it all on the, on the war gamers website. You can see what region is at what. least fourth, eh? at least fourth. You know what? I think, uh, I think we've got a pretty good shot. Um, we've got a lot of really good players going, uh, plus me and Ricky and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're the dead weight. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but Hey, our armies will look really pretty. Yeah, well, I hope so. Uh, if they make it there. Yeah, if they make it, they have to ship them separately. Uh, oh, yeah, that reminds me. What are you going to do about a display board? Are you going to be... I guess I'll make one. I, I have the one, but it's too big. It's, so. it's huge, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, I'll make one that can fit in the box with, this, with the Night Goblin board. Okay. All right. We'll ship that one out there. Cool. Um. So the Masters, 21st and 22nd of February, six games, four on the first six day. Games. Yeah. And then two on the second. Um, so we will uh, we will obviously do a roundup of that when it comes around. But 
yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. The week before, <laughs> the week before, I plan on like literally setting my alarm for 4 a.m. and getting up at 4 a.m. here, so that by the time we get out there, I'm not as jet lagged. Okay. And for those like three hours that you normally wouldn't be up, you just stand by the table, pushing models around, yeah, like thinking yeah. tactics, and then, measuring and then angles, like shooting raw eggs, and, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever it takes. No, I'll probably just paint. But you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Gnaw uh, <laughs> on some warp stone. Yeah. Get <laughs> That's a good idea. Warp stone and magic mushrooms. Yeah. All right. So um, after the masters is said and done, we've got Black Sheep Brawl in the middle of March, mm-hmm. and then uh, Ricky's running Sparkle Party Six in April. Woo. April eleventh and twelfth. Eleventh and twelfth. So interestingly, April twelfth is a national tabletop gaming day Woo-hoo. Check Woo. this out. and so i uh, meant to do that sparkle party six they this is the uh, uh mox boarding house guys were telling me um sparkle party will actually be the featured event in a national tabletop gaming day um at the mox boarding house so that's pretty oh. cool um so uh, well, there'll well, be a well. ton of people through the store so if you want to show off your army it's a good a, a good chance to be able to do that um, we should make sure and get, uh, you know, just anyone doing it for the player's choice voting, just let, or the, the, um, like the, you're doing the, the painting, the, the painting contest. Yeah. yeah. And be... I did that last time too. I actually yep. had store employees and anybody who wanted to walk just back. Siphon people in. And yeah. 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 Vote for the, look at the for the, um, the regiment of renown. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, yeah. So do you want to talk about what the next one's going to be like? Yeah, do yeah. it. I think you've talked about it a little bit before. but uh, Yeah, so yeah, I've got it a little more ironed out. So now I know the exact model count and uh, and everything for people. So regiment is going to be a regiment of renown. 2,500 points, you take a normal 2,500-point army. Then you get your free regiment. Your free regiment is 29 models, uh, infantry models. Um, then they, they can or, well... In, WYSIWYG, they would be hand weapon and shield, but they don't have to be if people want to make them with great weapons or whatever they can, as long as as long as you're happy. But um, and then you have one extra model. That's the thirtieth model, and that's your hero of renowned, and he's going to be the character. He she will be the character that joins that unit. Um, and this unit um, isn't part of your list at all. Um, you, it's free to bring it. Uh, you still have to provide it yourself, but it's free to bring it. Um, points-wise and army comp-wise. And then the tournament revolves around you using that unit to accomplish your missions, um, get it into combat. The unit will level up throughout the, uh, the tournament so that by game five, you should have a nice little mini Death Star um, with a whole bunch of really unique rules. Um, I'm going to try and structure it. So um, I, we used eight missions at the last Sparkle Party, and I really liked the missions. I felt like they changed the game just enough that you had to kind of think about how you were playing, but not so much that, you know, you had to write your army to accomplish any one of these missions, right? So uh, this time, a lot of the missions are going to be based off of the Regiment Renown accomplishing that, if the regiment renown accomplishes that mission, then they'll end up getting some really cool benefits based on that mission. So, for um, for example, there's one that's called Wood for Sheep, where you have to uh, capture a wood. Um, 
and just be the largest unit in that forest at the end of the game. In this uh, for regiments right now, I'm going to make it so if you do that, then that unit will now get um, Awakening the Wood as a bound spell, just like the uh, Sisters or Brolocks do. So they'll be able to run around for the rest of the tournament casting, um, you know, Awakening the Wood. So that'd be kind of fun. Cool. Um, so there's going to be other ones like that. That's just one idea that I have that's going to be in there. Uh, you know, your your hero of renown is going to end up with her killing blow or a breath weapon or maybe get the wizarding hat. So who knows? <laughs> that will be all kinds of um, fun stuff. And I, I'm going to try and structure it. So there's going to be charts that you roll on, but they are the charts are going to be choose your own adventure. So you can be like, I want to try and get a goofy hat. And you can try and roll and see if you get those goofy hats. And you earn the you earn the ability to roll by getting your um, regiment round into combat in every game, um, or having it accomplish missions. And so that's how it's going cool. to play. And so yeah, it's like a little bit of a game inside the game. Well, I think the best part about it for me personally is that it's encouraging me to build another unit. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I'm bringing out the wood elves for it. And um, putting together 30 Eternal Guard to be my Regiment of Renown. Perfect, yeah. Um, so they yeah. will be there just with, they'll, they'll only have the uh, human stats and stuff, but then I'll have a fully painted regiment yeah. um, that I can use in, in my regular army. Thanks, thanks, Ricky, for another excuse to paint 30 more models. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, You're welcome. yeah so uh, uh, that, that, that's another part of it is there's going to be a painting contest um, with that. So your Regiment of Renowned and your hero of renowned um, are entered into the painting contest automatically. Um, if you aren't playing in the tournament, you can still bring a regiment of renown um, and with a hero of renown and enter it into the painting contest. You don't have to play in the um, tournaments to participate in the painting contest. There's a $50 cash prize for the first place, and I'm going to probably do um, like 40 and maybe 30 for second and third this time try and put a little more emphasis on the painting contest part. Um, but yeah, I, and since most everybody who's going to come to the tournament is going to have a regiment, then almost everybody has an entry for that contest. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it's also nice then if you're, if you're not able to make the tournament, like maybe you're working one day or whatever, you can mm-hmm. bring down a nicely painted unit and, and put it on display and maybe have a chance of winning. Yeah, a you know, or if you ha- end up like Jesse that one time, you know, got deployed <laughs> a couple days before the... <laughs> before the tournament you know he could you could just drop that stuff off and yeah, still, still and i still was too lazy to paint my giant how yeah. sad is that yeah <laughs> I know. so um anyways that's sparkle party april 11th and 12th come play the hobby horse hey it has been a while since we've had a hobby horse section and i've forgotten I've, how to hobby yeah <laughs> or to horse <laughs> I was never too good at that one. So as I said at the start, we're going to be talking about horde armies. Um, so this is something that um, is near and dear to certainly Jesse and Ricky's heart, <laughs> if, they're, if their armies are anything to go by. And I think it's also something that's quite intimidating for a lot of people is, you know, uh, I don't want to play uh, Undead or Skaven or, you know, one of those armies just because I have to paint so many models and put so many models on the table. So um, I'm, I'm going to, having set that scene, um, I have no idea exactly how we're going to go from here, but I'm going to kind of um, hand it over to Ricky or Jesse, whoever wants to talk first and say go. 
Uh, so I'd say the first tip of a, having a horde army is you want to make sure that you don't, um, what's the right word for it? You don't care <laughs> because you'll, 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 you'll start with the highest of aspirations and you'll want to paint your models so well. I mean, I you don't obsess over oh, no, every I remember, model. I remember buying gonna... the Island of Blood set, you know, and it came with like 40 Skaven models. And I thought it's great. You know, I can paint all these, uh, all these clan rats and. I still remember buying that set and spending a month painting my first 10 clan rats and they were all very highlighted and very detailed. And then I realized I had 30 more to paint. And then I got two more Island of Blood sets and I realized I had 80 more. Yeah, then you painted your 40 clan rats and I'm like, wait, let's play a game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 200 I, points. I think by the time I was ready to start playing, I had, I think I had all my core, I think I had about 100 clan rats painted at that point, but I was I was already so burnt out and then I realized I still had plague monks and storm vermin and everything else and it just didn't end. <laughs> you know, horde armies, horde armies they're so fun to play and they're so fun you know they're so great to look at but if you looked at all my clan rats i could not point out you know the first one that i painted where i was you know um highlighting all the all the different you know pieces of armor and everything else and then like i can't i couldn't differentiate that between that and clan rat number 90 where i just stopped caring and i washed and dry brushed and just you know got the paint on and said screw it they're done um, i really couldn't um you know, obviously, some people are, are higher, better, more skilled painters. I'm standing. I'm sitting right across from one who all of his models look better than my best. But oh, thanks, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it, it really was a wake up call for me because I started, you know, just painting. I, I really got into Warhammer purely for the hobby. Um, I didn't even know how to play the game, and I, and I didn't for probably the first year. But um, you know, I wanted to paint. I wanted things to look good. And and horde armies, you can make them look good. But you have to be able. You have to have a modicum of just not caring, you know. Being, you know what, that that eye is not perfect. But nobody's going to be like, oh, clan rat number thirty-seven. Let me look at him a little bit closer. Oh, you didn't. Pairing you didn't highlight the eyes perfectly. Like, yeah. wait, no one's, no one's, one's going to look at that. Um, yeah. and, and if they do, then I, I hate you. Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> but really, it was it was. You know, I I started painting the clan rats honestly one by one, and uh, by clan rat number fifty, I was painting them ten by ten. And I think I, I think I actually painted my thirty-five plague monks in just one fell swoop. I would come home from so, work. So I'd... let let's talk about that a little bit because, um, you know, I uh, painted most of my glade guard. Like, of all of the models that I've done, that's that's the most that I've done, and I've done forty of them. Oh wow! Um, and so um, I painted, I think twenty-five of them one by one, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, the other fifteen were kind of speed painted um, to get ready for a tournament. So, so talk us through, you know, what kind of what you mean by but one by one versus ten at a time versus so, you know your thirty five plague mm-hmm. monks all at once. When, when I, what I what I finally realized is you know just 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 time and, and being efficient with your models. Painting painting one model by one model takes forever because every mm-hmm. time you're going to change your highlights, every time you're, you're going to paint new paint pot, new paint yeah, like pot, you're cleaning your brush, your brush off. off. And, um, what I what I kind of found the Zen in, and, and was like, especially with the plague monks, was 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 that personified as I got thirty five guys that said, you know what, tonight I'm gonna paint rat tails, uh-huh. you know, and I'm gonna paint I'm gonna paint the rat tails this one color, and I'm gonna paint thirty five of them, and that's that's all I did that night. Yeah, and it makes it go so much faster. It makes it go so much faster, and it and it's droll. It's very boring, right? <clears throat> but you you don't come into it thinking, oh yeah, I'm gonna paint these guys amazing. You think I'm gonna paint thirty five rat tails. And that's the piece of the pie that I'm doing that night. And the next night, it's like, I'm going to paint Skaven Cloaks. And then mm-hmm. I'm going to paint 35 Skaven Cloaks. Um, you know, you're not going to have the results aren't immediate. 
Um, it's not that instant gratification. Like you can paint one model in a night. You know, if you spend four, mo- four hours on a model. That's always my, my hang-up with batch painting. I mm-hmm. love that instant gratification. It's... I would always do like three or four models at a time. That's kind mm-hmm. of my preferred number in a batch because it's enough that like, you know, you're still, you're doing a color and you're doing enough of it on different models that it feels good. But then you like, you get your four models done. It's like, yes, I'm I done. have some finished models. Mm. They're awesome. There's some level of completion there versus... Just painting 30 at once. Mm. It's like a month later. You're like, oh, well, God. But, but at the same time, that's kind of <laughs> motivational too because then I've got these half-painted models. I know they're going to look great. You know, I've, I've done the <clears> test <throat> model ahead of time. I'm like, once I finish all this just crap, once I finish just painting all the fur and painting all the eyes and doing all these steps, I know it's going to look good at the end. And for me, that alone was enough motivation to keep on going. It was like I just need, f- and, and I and actually what I would do is I'd get all my paint pots and I'd actually sort them in the order I would do them. So I'd have my my flesh colors and I my highlights and then my armors and my highlights. Yeah, I do that too. And then I can count down. I'm like eight more colors and I'm done with these sobs. And I'm like, <laughs> move on to something else, you know. And every night I'd move one paint pot away, you know, as I knocked them out. And it made me, it, it definitely got me. It may not have been the most fulfilling experience, you know, painting <laughs> rat eyes for four hours. My wife definitely got sick and tired of me hearing it. Like, what are you doing? And then, oh, baby, I got to paint this fur. I got to do this high on the bases. And she's like, okay, well, that's, that's great. Let me know when you're ready to go to bed. Um, but once it was all done, you know, then I had this model, this, this entire unit that was finished. Um, and, and it felt great just kind of finishing that project versus one by one. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, as, as bad of a feeling as it is, I can't imagine finishing one model and being like, this is great. I just have to do this 39 30. more times. <laughs> Instead I'll, I'll of like instant finished. gratification, it's mm. drawn out, but very yeah. big gratification. Mm. Exactly. It's like tantric painting. And it's, and it's, and it's a project. Yeah, yeah. tantric painting. <laughs> <That's what's laughs> Instead of batch painting, it's tantric painting. I learned, I learned my lesson after the Skaven. Um, you know, I painted those Skaven just kind of as a labor <laughs> of love or as a first army project, I guess. Uh, I managed to paint 100 skeletons for my vampire accounts in about a month and a half. Um, not spending a crazy inordinate amount of time on them, but you know, an hour here, an hour there, and I had one project in mind. I was like, okay, wash this, highlight this, and then over the course of a month and a half, I was able to do a hundred models. You, yep. you, you can't do that any other way. So, yeah. So, so then the trick is, you know, obviously when when you spend, um, like I I can look at the at the Glade Guard that I've done and you know I, I strategically arrange them when I put them on the display board and I put all the ones that I did one by one <laughs> and the in the front two units and on the outsides and then all the other ones you know that aren't quite as well done they kind of go in the back mm-hmm. um and so you really can differentiate it like that though do like just 10 models or whatever your front rank is to a completely higher standard and it gives an illusion that the entire mm-hmm. unit yeah is, well is when i when i worked for gw and and we had to paint you know go ahead just paint these 30 guys and you've got until tomorrow um you know we had to churn out the basic colors you know washes and, and highlights and then and then the focus was all on the command group mm-hmm. right you know have a nice banner nice musician nice champion and you know part of the reason that the champions don't have helmets on is is because you know a lot of the time with the, with the you know, armored units is because it draws the eye right so you do spend that little bit of extra time on the command group and and all of a sudden something that was that is an average paint job becomes above average because um you've made those three models above average so that's right? the reason space marine sergeants never wear their helmets i thought they were just suicidal mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because they're well hard mm-hmm. yeah Okay, cool. So, so then, um, 
one of the tricky parts about that is um, keeping track of you know what colors you're using to mm-hmm. keep it consistent, especially for like clan rats, oh, yeah. for example, or even skeletons. You know where you you've got uh, you said you've done a hundred of them, but they're not all in one unit, right? You know they've got multiple units, but you want them to look like they're all in one unit. Still uniform, yeah. Because you know, first off, you don't want to have to <laughs> figure out, oh gosh, is this a skeleton from unit A, B, or C? Yeah. I so a totally different purple highlight on this unit. Dang it! <laughs> oh no! I did, I did do that for a while actually, and I, and I deeply regretted it <laughs> when they when they when they when they so converted to the new. What kind of line. batch sizes did you do your night goblins in, Ricky? Um, I would give one that, unit at a time. A whole a unit of like fifty goblins yeah, once. Yeah. Given that every goblin in this and that's how army I did this is like edge highlighted and yeah. So you just edge highlight fifty different mm-hmm. black robes mm-hmm. all at once. Yeah. And then uh and then you go through and you do all the freehand checks and dags all at once. Yeah. It's a it's actually not that bad. It goes pretty fast. <laughs> like I was doing one of those units a month. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I was doing more than that. I would do one of those units and then, because I was still finishing up my Skaven at the time. So I'd do one of those units and then, you know, like one of these cannons or something like that still. Um, I, uh, like it was the same when I did my Skaven too. I was doing probably, I either did them in the 50s, the batches mm-hmm. of 50s, or I did them in the 60s for the clan rats and stuff. Yep. And I do, I, I don't know. I just do the big batches like that. Uh, and when, I, when you decided how you were going to paint each goblin, because each goblin looks all awesome, but did you, was it like you tried to make a trade off between how long it would take and how good the unit's going to look as a whole? Or did you just say, I'm going to paint every goblin up to the, the yeah. top standard that I want them to be painted to? No, I, I, I wasn't willing to sell out on them at all. I, I was like, I'm going to. Just every goblin is gonna have every, every goblin, stage, yeah. Every every stage, every little bit of freehand, every little bit of love is put into every goblin. It's just what I, it, and and that's, um, I didn't do that really for the Skaven, um, the Storm Vermin. Yes, all all hundred Storm Vermin. You know, they've all been edge highlighted, and the all the the armor's been blended, and the skin's been blended, and all that. But the clan rats, no. They are, you know, I used um, I used the brown um, leather army painter primer, mm-hmm. primed them all, went through, gave them all just basic uh, base coloring and washes appropriate to the material. So like the skin got a, a flesh wash and the, you know, the robes got like a you know, earth shade wash and, you know, there and then black washes on gray parts or stuff like that. So, but those were all super easy, fast things to paint those. Um, but even those, yeah, I was doing in those big batches of 50 to 60. And, uh, there's the only, the only army I haven't really enjoyed the batch painting on is the dwarves so far. Um, because, uh, the detail on them is beautiful, but it's, it's also just kind of really, um, it is so similar across all the models and it is so regimented like it, it's all got lines there for me so i'm painting by numbers on the goblins it was oh i get to make a creative decision where do the edge highlights go because you know on those on those folded black robes you got to decide do i highlight a little bit here to make the robe have more volume or not mm-hmm. and you do that on the dwarves you don't really get to make those choices cuz everything is lined and 
armored uh, and etched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it gets a little more boring. You feel like, yeah, you're just doing paint by number. But the, um, you know, the goblins is, you know, I got to do the freehand on there. And I like doing that kind of stuff. I just crack out on it. A couple pots of tea and <laughs> go through it. And actually, I think it takes me longer now to do highlighting than it does to do the checks and dags that actually goes really fast the freehand goes yeah. really fast yeah. we should we should do another segment about freehand yeah. um but uh, uh so so we talked a bit about painting what about the prep before you paint i mean so it sounds like um in both cases you got to have all the models prepped for mm-hmm. the whole unit before you start mm-hmm. um i mean it, yeah, <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you do the prep for that many models? Is there is it something? Is you can you batch prep? You know. Um, yeah, well, for do you so scrape every mold line. So Skaven are great. Like, screw it. Yeah, the Skaven are great because the kit for them is so, um, you know, one one arm is molded to it, mm-hmm. so you don't even have to worry about one arm, and all the lines, the mold lines are along pretty obvious ridges or hidden ridges. So the the obvious ones you can scrape pretty quick. The others are pretty easy, and then you just For the have clan one. Rats. Yeah, clan rats mm-hmm. and slaves, and those are gonna you're gonna have to have those in your army. Um, yeah, like storm vermin, those are a pain. You know, there's no way around it. You know, they're a pain. They're a pain to rank up. They're a pain to to model. You know, you have two arms. Halberds are a separate hand. You got, got was it two body parts and then a head. Um, so there's, there's a lot and they all needed scraped, they all needed trimmed. And so you're just going through time. I mean, you, you know, I was doing a unit a month, but a good week and a half of that is just prepping, scraping, gluing, basing, then priming. And then finally you can start painting. So how about this new skirmish game, eh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i think whoever Red whoever cases. developed the skeleton kit was an absolute ma- sadistic person mm-hmm. i cannot mm. believe how many pieces go into a simple skeleton model i mean yeah. there are all these yeah. tiny little bones and parts and you know i was used to the island of blood models too doing the, the those rats and those are indestructible i mean you can, yeah. you can carve on those all day and break the molds but you look at those skeleton models wrong and they're going to break in half you yeah know, spears are going to snap and uh they're delicate. Yeah. It took me it took me maybe a month and a half to paint them. Uh, it went really fast, but like the six months before that, when I was when I was assembling, and it would be like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch a movie and assemble ten skeletons, or I'm gonna you know listen to a listen to a podcast and assemble a few skeletons. Yeah, um, just something I, I kind of did on the back burner for me. It was easier to assemble kind of as a as a, a tertiary thing while I was doing other projects. Um, yep, because I, I hate assembling. Mm-hmm. It has to be. I can't focus on it. It's just something I kind of have to do in the background. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on you know how how good you are at speed painting and what kind of batch system you want to use, you may find that you do spend more time assembling than you do actually painting. I certainly uh, I certainly do. Like yeah. uh, even even regardless of how I paint, my paint is so much faster than my assembly. Really? Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Huh. Um. I think. It depends. You know, if I'm spending like five hours on a single model, um, a brand good file model that's just like, you know, st- you know, three parts to glue together, then no. But but in general, I find that I spend, um, at the moment, working on the Secret Army project, um, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time assembling and converting. 
Um, and maybe it's the well, conversion. Yeah, when that, you convert. But even the minor conversions that I'm doing, like weapon swaps and stuff like that, it, I guess it takes it goes from a, a four or five piece infantry model to now a seven piece because yeah, that's going to slow it down yeah, so much. Yeah, that's true. So so you batch prep. Um, um, I think one of the things you said to me, Ricky, is about how um, uh, you can you, if you're prepping a whole lot of the same unit type, you can, you know, prep all the bodies at once, like scrape all the bodies. Yeah. And so what, you know, the, our bodies and our minds are great. Um, it'll build muscle memory really fast. So the more of the, if something's really similar and you're do, working on it all at the same time, by the time you get to the end of that batch, you're going really fast on you're it. Just doing it. And you don't even really have to you know think exactly about it. exactly where that mold line yeah. is. Yeah, and it's just... the same when you're painting them. So, like, if you're, like, like Jesse said, painting the tails, maybe the first two tails, he was like, okay, I got to, my, my body has to reach up under there. I got to hold it like this. By the time he got to the end of them, it's muscle memory. It's all muscle memory. It goes fast, and you're just blowing through it. And it's the same with the scraping. So, I'll go through and I'll cut out all of the same torso scrape all the torso cut out all of the legs scrape all those legs and then you learn you'll also assemble a few of them what you'll find is like um, maybe you'll assemble one unit of clan rats and you'll see like oh i don't really need to worry about scraping up under there nobody's ever gonna look mm -hmm. yep. save yourself the you know the Scraping cumulative five lines. minutes or whatever of reaching up under there and and just not scrape up under there wherever yep. that is and um the thing i hate most about scraping mold lines and it is my least favorite part of this hobby as a whole there's just like nothing like skillful or creative in it at all it's just yeah. dirge that takes a lot <laughs> like train a monkey to do the scraping for us or like some nimble fingered child <laughs> yeah or or have not a that Tom is sorry. endorsing child labor. Ha, have a roommate, have a roommate with OCD, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> right? Just uh, it's just dirge. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because Taylor loves scraping and assembling models and hates painting. Oh really? Yeah. I'm like, dude, you <clears> could <throat> totally scrape and assemble my entire army for me, and I will paint it. That would be awesome. Um, unfortunately, now he works night shifts and doesn't get to do any of that stuff, mm. but. Yeah, he has a, everything fully scraped and assembled because that's the part that he enjoys doing. Scraping. Ugh. Yeah. So, so all right. So, cover back what we've talked about so far. Um, batch prep piece by piece. Um, assemble it all. Get everything ready. So, you figure out your unit size. And, and it sounds like figure out what you think the maximum unit size is going to be. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, you've got the 60 clan rats and they sometimes run as 50 or 40, but you've got the 60 models yep. all done. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, <clears throat> get everything prepped and sprayed and then batch paint. Test the, models first, the long though, maybe. Yeah, yeah that's, you, that's you a good idea. One or two. Figured yeah. out. Just to kind of like figure to out, work your, out your paint standard scheme. and what compromises you're going to make in mm -hmm. terms of the. Well, that's interesting the because so so you're basically saying that the test, the test model needs to be painted to the standard that you're going to paint the rest of the unit. Mm. Or at least or... while you're painting that one, you'll figure out what compromises you can make. You'll yeah. paint a specific part of that test model in a different way, and then be like, that that doesn't add anything. And, That'll and, just 
I'll leave that as the same color as this. Yeah. And it better be something that you like the look of because <coughs> you're about to do 100 guys in the exact same scheme. Right. So yeah. if you don't like the colors or if you don't like the contrasts in your highlights, you need to figure it out on your first model before you do a batch of 50 of them. Yeah. Because that would be a, uh, a horrible correction to make if you just didn't like the, the ink you were using or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So when I was doing the Beast Men, I did like about three test models before I had a scheme that I was pretty happy with. Yeah, because you have you have two big hordes in the Beast Men. Two big hordes, yeah. How long did that take? Like three years? Uh, two years, probably. <laughs> Gosh, I wasn't even kidding. <laughs> no, yeah, two years. <laughs> and I lean heavily upon unit fills as well. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and did you paint it in... You, you, you said you painted it... Um, I painted in batches of like three, three or, or four, yeah, yeah, three or four models, but I had already decided on what you know the scheme didn't change between those batches. Yeah. So I think the batches ended up getting faster and faster, but it's not yeah, quite the same. I just couldn't yeah. quite. I couldn't bring myself to just take twenty models and, yep. and do it. This is this is also coming from the guy who can spend six hours painting the flames on his battle stand. Well, that's there. I think that's why in general I need to not ever do horde armies again. I need to do the lowest model count armies ever because I I can't strike that compromise at all. I want to like do you every. You don't have to, man. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but when I don't compromise, then it takes six hours a really, to paint the flames. Really yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah. it takes yeah. six hours to paint a flame. So. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I just can't do that to myself with big armies anymore. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so so at that point, you know, you've maybe how so this might be a, an interesting question is how many colors is enough? Oh god, as few as possible. <laughs> uh, my yeah, my yeah. Skaven, my Skaven sleeves, I tried doing them, you know, by the codex uh, when I when I originally started them, which is red cloaks and white cloaks and black. And it took me so much longer just adding those extra colors in there because it was no longer just a, you know an odd, an odd color here or there. It was like I'd paint 20, 20 Skaven clan rats, and it was my folly to do it this way, but I'd say I'm going to paint 10 with red cloaks and then five with white and black cloaks and then five with red and white cloaks. And it took me so much longer um, to get those in there that it, uh, I, w- I would probably never do it again. Um, I'm you know, Or if you did you know have that in mind where you paint, hey, I'm going to paint 10 guys with red and white i'm gonna paint 10 guys with black and red but every color you're adding you know even if it's something insignificant that's another highlight you're going to add another wash you might be adding um one more color to your scheme might be an additional five to ten hours you're going to add to your total paint time Um, yep so i'd say as, as, as little as possible all right so so that is the uh um, Jesse end of the spectrum. <laughs> so then Ricky at the at the other end of the spectrum. Well, okay. So I'm looking at um, one of my clan rats here, and I have uh, a brown primer, which is again the army painter. Like uh, I think it's the leather primer. I think is what they Snake call it. Snake bite leather or something. Snake bite leather. Yeah. yeah, something like that. I think is what they call it. Um, it's just a nice uh, kind of brown uh, mid tone. That's what I use to prime. And that actually stays on the model in a couple places. Then I just would base coat skin, so that's one color. And I think that was just like uh, the Cadian flesh. Um, I would do a Rackarth Earth or whatever it is. Is that what it is? Um, on whites, I would do um, uh, like a Dryad Bark on uh, dark browns. So we're up to three. I would do like a dark gray, like an eschen gray for the fur. 
so that's four. I would do metals, so that's five. I think, um, and then, and then that's pretty much it. Red eyes. Uh, red eyes, um, and then it was washes. So, and I would use a flesh wash on the flesh, a black wash on the fur, and a brown wash on everything else. So I think we're ten colors basically. Yep. And um, that is a super simple, but it's. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean. Yeah, oh, for yeah. sure. And but your goblins have like six different colors just on the skin, right? Yeah, the goblins. Uh, yeah, at least six on the skin. Yeah. Um, so it just depends on yeah what what you're trying to accomplish, but yeah the goblins are probably close to twenty colors per model, and the but do you, you still do it in the same batch? Yeah. Right. So so you've got a color scheme well worked out ahead mm -hmm. of time. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now I'm I'm doing the the black. Now I'm doing gray yeah. number one and gray number two, gray number three. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Interesting. Um, so you know that that kind of feels like it really lends itself to a certain painting style, right? You know, with that because I know that you kind of paint in layers is kind of how you you do everything. But what about if you want to do blends or, you know, um, stuff that involves multiple colors, I guess it's the same thing where you just say, okay, well now I'm going to do this three color blend. You crack out those three colors and you do that same three color blend across all the models. Yeah. So that's what the squigs are. Okay. The squigs are a blend that it's, you know, all starts from, um, uh, what's the really dark brown, not Mornfing brown, but um, Rhinox. Rhinoxide yeah. starts at that and goes all the way up to um, the elf flesh now. Okay. So yeah. you go from there, and there's probably, I think, nine colors in between. And so, yeah, you just got to work your way through all colors. Um, and you just do, you know, it would take me probably um, close to 10 hours to do one color per unit so wow okay yeah so right. it's, a, it's a lot of hours but <laughs> yeah um but these skaven these were painted for tabletop standard i wasn't really overly concerned about it like well you know again the clan rats and the slaves i wasn't overly concerned about them i knew i knew i needed them um i wanted them to be painted because i wanted to play with them painted but i wasn't overly concerned about it uh, the details on them. It was, you know, the storm vermin are a different case because I, I love the storm vermin. They were fun models to paint, and I was enjoying that. Um, and so, yeah, it just it. You're also going to find there's going to be models that you want to paint. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, that you'll want to slow down on, um, like the goblins. I, I some of them I wish I'd spent even more time on because i was having a good time painting goblins i love yeah. them they're they're cute little buggers and <laughs> i could just spend all night with them so <laughs> all righty um so so um the last sort of topic that i want to cover on this um i don't know if anybody has any others but um this is the last one that's come to my mind is actual color choice um, are there colors that you should avoid when you're painting a horde army um, or color types that you should avoid or indeed the opposite? You know, are there, are there some types of colors that are better in a horde army because they'll make it easier for you to 
paint more quickly and get a better effect more quickly? Um, I would avoid true whites if you're trying to paint a horde. Um, true whites are hard to make look clean. So if, say, you were trying to do a horde that was like a horde high elf army, that doesn't really exist, but you could do a huge horde of like one unit that's a huge horde. Um, you know, if you try and speed paint that, it, it's just going to look dirty. Um, uh, so, and, and then also think about primer color. Um, horde armies are a great candidate for colored primers, or, um, if you don't want to buy, uh, you know, colored primers, I think, what is it? 12, 15 bucks for a can of army painter, but you could get basically the same thing at Home Depot for four or five bucks. Um, consider that. Uh, that's going to save you uh, that's going to save you base coating the entire army and you know like yes i have to prime okay that's going to take a you know a day or two um and then oh now i have to base coat that's going to take another couple days or two but if you just can combine those together you're going to save yourself a ton of time so i guess it's a little easier if you've got an airbrush as well yeah it's a great yeah. time to make friends with somebody who has an airbrush yeah yeah if you colors. can um i uh, the Skaven, I'd still probably rattle a can, just blast them, blast them out, because um, just for speed. Yeah, the airbrush, you know, it does give you better, more uniform coverage. Uh, it would depend, yeah, but uh, I would not buy an airbrush just because you want to paint a horde, because that's all you're going to use it for is the priming. Um, yeah, because <laughs> most horde models are too small for any airbrushing, so yeah. you're just going to be um, priming and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. priming with them. I think just the kind of dirty, dirty color schemes end up being. Yeah, they're more being, forgiving. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can make a good-looking, dirty color scheme. That's true. In a very fast amount of time. That's true. Um, I I also think you know, like visually, I'm envisioning in my head, you probably want to stay away from large um, surface areas of bright colors, mm -hmm. um, like or lurid colors, certainly. Um, it's nice to have yeah. one well, like bright color in there well, yeah, yeah but but I, you know i think bright colors are, are are great and important but but you know if you imagine let's say you were talking about uh the cloaks of plague monks right which is a good 60 percent of the model mm -hmm. you probably don't want to do that um like a an ac acid green, green or something yeah. like that you know yeah you um the thing when you you have such huge <clears throat> huge units of models um, put your put your bright colors in spots so mm -hmm. you're not just overwhelming. And if uh, there is going to be a bright color, you can maybe put a little more effort into making that exactly. one color mm -hmm. look good. Like with Ricky's Storm Vermin, the red obviously has a bunch of different layers and highlights, and it just pops out. Mm -hmm. And yep. the rest is just kind of dirty, dirty robes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, I think with any horde army, you're going to use a lot of washes. They're all going to look kind yeah. of dingy. Um, what helped me out a lot is really using stark highlights too, because you're not going to you're not going to you know wet blend these. You're not going to slowly you know highlight these up. You're going to dry brush them at the end of the day. And finding a good edge highlight or a good dry brush that you can use it in to really give them contrast. It's an easy way to make the model pop and give it some brightness. Um, because I've seen a lot of really great Nurgle armies where they wash them and use dingy colors, but mm -hmm. the whole army looks so dark. There's nothing to really bring it out. You can really get that just by a quick dry brush. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Everyone kind of gave me nasty looks because nobody likes the dry brush. 
Drive, uh, dry, brush. Like dry brush. Oh, no, I, uh, I mean, I, 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 uh, I dry brush, um, certain surface types. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. but others, I just like, I can't dry brush them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it has its uses. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think one thing that is good is the three main horde armies, um, which are Skaven and then, um, Undead. Undead. And then uh, orcs and goblins. They tend to be uh, armies that lend themselves to dirty, dingy paint styles. Yeah. With, you know, spots, uh, you know, little spot colors here and there to kind of draw the eye. You know, Skaven have that great, you know, green color that you can throw in there anywhere to really draw the eye in. Or, you know, orcs and goblins, you can throw in just about any color with them to kind of give them some pop but all those paint easy um like the greens for orcs and goblins uh, the warhammer or the gw green line is great like the wog the wog flesh super easy to work with so you know you're set there um skaven they have plenty of different bestial brown colors and flesh tones so you're set there um and lots of metals metal colors that you can mix into for those yeah and then the tomb kings yeah they they even have the new dry brush paints for them i've never used them but that's uh, you know tomb kings or or vc they're gonna dry brush so much faster and easier so yeah it's uh I those dry brush paints are actually really good really good, yeah, yeah. yeah. I use good. Them from my ethereal units and it makes it so much good. faster yeah so i think i think really um Painting, you know, I don't think you're going to run into anything being a, a technical challenge, really, when it comes to painting hordes. Um, you just got to... Get your process down. Yeah, get your process down and, and do avoid, um, over, you know, really vibrant, bright colors because it's going to... it's With that many models on the table, it's going to be overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so uh, I mean, I know you said those three horde armies. One army that you sometimes see in horde, less so in eighth edition, but um, was the Empire army. Yeah, um, and that certainly True. lends itself yeah, more yeah. to bright colors. Like if you think of of some of the the uh, regions in the mm. Empire, like Nuln, for example, has a lot of yellow. Um, so yeah, you do need to be careful, I think, in in um, painting those state troops. Yeah, um, that you 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 don't overwhelm. Um, I've seen one horde army done and with that with those color schemes and, and I think they emphasized the the black more than the yellow and so the yellow became what drew the eye as opposed to repelling the eye by, yeah, yeah. by being a little too much. So Yeah, yellow is such a good eye catcher anyways. Yeah. So Yeah. All right, cool. So uh any last thoughts on on painting a horde army? Do was, you know, the, the the one thing that <laughs> helped me keep my sanity throughout is you know whenever you start an army there's that one or two you know those those special units those rare units you really want to paint you actually want like for me it was the hell pit abomination mm-hmm. um such a cool model oh, it was awesome that was that was really one of the things that got me into the into the army right but um what i did to help keep my sanity is i did I, i'd set goals you know once i painted 50 slaves i would paint my warp lightning cannon or once i finished all my core then i'd do my hell pit abomination to kind of give you some light at the end of the tunnel because um, naturally everyone wants to paint the models they like first. Yeah. Um, and once you get those cool models painted, you're like, well, all I have left are these lousy slaves or these lousy clan rats yeah. I really don't want to deal with. Yeah, those are the with. things that never get done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. I save all the fun stuff for dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, I will not 
not have it for an appetizer yeah no like i all my all my clan rats were done before i even touched my storm vermin or any of the big stuff and all the big stuff were done after the storm vermin um with the orcs or with the night goblins i started with my first unit of bow boys which were kind of my test unit um and one small unit of squigs and i got through all of the the you know core infantry which is a hundred or like what no 140 ish yeah um night goblins and then all of the squigs and then i went on to doing the big fun stuff like the manglers and the goblas and you know all the all the characters and the all the again the dessert yeah so yeah that's that's a really good point and then and then it makes it better if like now um i have this huge skaven army and whenever new models get pushed yeah you can just I, be oh paint a vermin lord i can just yeah paint a vermin lord throw it in there and i'm done and it's um it's not like i have to be like oh man i want to play a vermin lord but oh i'd have to paint all those guys after i painted him so if you get those guys done first then then it's done so just yeah. focus on your core get your core tax done yeah <laughs> cool all right, so that was our hobby horse, um, and we will roll on into... Now you've painted all these beautiful uh, horde armies. How do you play with them? The Art of War. All right, so you've now got 200 beautifully painted uh, miniatures. 250-ish. Close to 300. All right, Ricky, quit boasting. <laughs> and uh, you want to throw them on the table and, and slap some people silly. So let's talk about how you how you build your army list with, with a horde. Um, so we're not going to talk specifically about building Skaven or building Night Goblins or building Undead, but more about, you know, what are the types of things that, that you're going to want to do with your units? What functions do they provide? Um, what do you need to take care of? What can you totally ignore? Because now you've got all these, mm -hmm. you know, all these bodies. Yeah. So the, I think probably one of the main things that, uh, always draw most people into hordes is the big units, but then, uh, these big units, you know, you're talking 50 models or more, uh, and you have several units on the board that are all that size is, um, almost always, uh, the models in those units, um, are crap absolute crap uh, they couldn't cut their way out of a paper bag yep. usually um, and they just die by the droves and um, so I think what people when they 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 set out to create a horde army because they love the aesthetic of it and then they get it on the table and they realize oh my gosh this just sucks <laughs> what am I doing so ultimately what happens is your horde army will um, be forced to start including something that can do damage. Um, you almost all horde armies have that a way to include that, um, and you just got to work on finding that balance mm -hmm. um, of <clears throat> what it is that can do enough damage that your crap guys can actually do something. Now, the the good thing about horde armies is you're almost always steadfast, um, and you can usually take 
tons of damage before you actually have to start mm. worrying about it. So what a Horde army does better than any other is anvils, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, you can soak almost, up a lot of damage. And usually your entire core is going to be anvils, mm -hmm. big anvils of crappy, crappy models. I, I don't like to use the term anvil because it implies that you're actually tough and resilient and yeah. able to take the punch. But it's really, more of a tar pit. It is yeah. much more of a tar okay, pit. A tar pit. Or a speed bump. <laughs> I mean, I think of an anvil as just something that holds something yep. rather than something that's expected to kill something. Yes, for sure. Yeah, um, so yeah that, that, that's absolutely right. It doesn't deliver the blow, it does the holding. So what um what I found when I first um, started and I I play almost exclusively hordes like I'll occasionally play with elves or dwarves but I always end up coming back to hordes. So what I I found is um, with my initial list designs was um, I was getting draws. I just get draws all the time, and yay I'm I'm on the table. Yay I'm pushing my models forward, um, but. I'm not killing them, and they can't kill enough of me. And in the end, it's kind of a flat, boring game for both people. So what I started doing, you got to work on finding that balance of still having all the models on the table that you want and still being able to do some damage. Um, so you can start putting characters in. You can start putting, like, warp lightning cannons. Pew, pew. You can start putting them in there to try and soften stuff up. Well, well that's actually, there's there's kind of like th three categories mm -hmm. of, of things that will do damage, yeah. right? Um, generically speaking, you have characters, you have war machines, and you have monsters. Yeah. Right? That's, um, if you think about the hordes, like, um, uh, I, I think maybe you could add a fourth category in there, which is uh, Magic. units with buffs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some kind of buffs to make that yeah. happen. Um, so, yeah, keep going. That, if we talk about those four categories, um, um, yeah. So those, so the those are things that you start adding into your army that um, you'll start trying to find synergies between these huge blocks of of infantry that don't move um, fast, um, are cumbersome to move around, and so you try and find stuff that you either can put in those units that make those units more effective when they do finally get where you're trying to aim them, or you try and find more um, more mobile or um, highly mobile stuff that can dance around them and help uh, facilitate the damage output that you need. So Skaven are great because they can have uh, A-bombs rolling around on the flanks while you push your whole line forward, and then once your line engages, Excuse me. You can roll those a bombs in on the flanks, and and the combination is is deadly. You know, sure your clan rats and your slaves aren't actually doing any damage. In fact, they're probably making more parry saves than they are actually doing damage, um, which is always insulting to people. They're like, God, quit saving. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you'll be surprised when your slave actually does do a wound. You'll you'll be like, Wow, look at that. Um, but. It, so you rely on those other things to do the damage, and you just have those big units out there more for aesthetic appeal. And it's, the tr it's true with, uh, say, my night goblins. My night goblins, they uh, rely on their fanatics. I have to have the fanatics there to actually do the damage. Um, and then I have to use nets to try and lower people's strength, and then I just become more of a tar pit. And then I have to try and get something else in there, and in, usually the only thing I have at that point is a character. Um, that can usually throw out a few high strength wounds um, here and there. So yep. um, Jesse plays his um, 
vampires more along the lines of he has his horde, but then he supports it magically and with um, um, aura buffs that yeah. Why don't you make them more, that? more yeah. killing. And, and a lot of that was I kind of had to learn it the hard way because I'd finally figured out, you know, tar pitting with Skaven and then flank attacking. Well, the vampire counts, of course, are prone to crumble. Um, and so I quickly learned that you can, you know, tar pit all day long with your skeletons. They're going to beat them up. And then anything you combo charge within the flanks, like a terror geist or... Or any war machines, you know, if you lose combat, everything in that combat is taking crumble results. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I kind of endeavored to do was try and make my core more survivable, but also more killy. Um, so King of Cascadia was the first experience that I really had, and where I put you know powerful heroes um, inside my inside my core and tried to buff the core up and actually make them fighty. So I've got uh, you know fifty skeletons in a horde formation. So I'm already getting a, a, a wealth of attacks on that, but. But they're all strength three. They're strength three, but you know, you add you add always strikes first. <clears throat> if I if I get a spell off with the corpse cart nearby, and you add a you know hellish vigor or some other spell where you re-roll a wound, and all of a sudden I'm 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 rolling fifty dice, but I'm rolling them over and over, re-rolling the hits, <laughs> yeah. and rolling the wounds, and eventually you know you, I, I roll fifty dice, I'm prone to get a couple sixes in there. Death by paper cuts. Um, yeah. But even but what I what I found is even when I buff those skeletons out, um, even when I you know complete short of Occam's mind razor or something like that. Um, a hero or two in that unit will often get as many wounds in as that entire horde of skeletons. Yep. And so in my latest builds or in a few of my newer lists, I've really focused hard on putting a lot of heroes in those core units, yeah. um, especially ones that synergize. So I've got the Undead Legion, so I have uh, you know, the Tomb Princes, which will increase me up to weapon skill five. Um, you know, I've got Cairn Wraiths that I can throw in there to, to make an ethereal challenge, challenge yeah. or get a couple you know, great weapon attacks. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so for- great weapons tend to be a really good choice, particularly for horde armies, because your heroes generally are pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not always the case. Like vampire heroes are not cheap, no. um, but uh, there are other heroes I think in the book that are a little cheaper. Like a white kings are a little cheaper, white aren't kings they? Are, yeah, I think they're eighty-five white points yeah. naked, yeah. but they have killing blow, and you give them a great weapon. Um, yeah, and they're they one more wound as well, right? Mm-hmm. So they're Toughness three wounds, three wounds. Um, but uh, on the Skaven, like the Skaven heroes are cheap, the chieftains, and the mm-hmm. goblin heroes are ridiculously cheap. They're correct. <laughs> so, even even orcs are pretty cheap. Yeah, and you wanna you wanna throw some great weapons on there, or some halberds, or whatever you can to buff the strength. Halberds. And that was and that well. Was... I sometimes put a halberd on the chieftain. And, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah Skaven. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you get fun options. Yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, I learned that I, I never really figured that out with Skaven either because I would never put a big, you know, hero, hero bus in front of some of my tar pits or my storm vermin. I thought that, you know, just having 40 storm vermin alone would be enough. To, yeah, I, I thought some... that too. And then um, and the, the few games no. that you get death, death Frenzy off, you it might work. But until you start throwing in, um, yeah, you know, a chieftain or the double assassins or even just a one single assassin you just yeah. don't throw out damage yeah and but i think that's important too is you're talking about hero level characters you know very seldomly do you want to put a lord level character because when what, what i did to compensate for that is like, man i'm tired of my storm i losing screw it i'm gonna get a lord i'm gonna put him on the war litter i'm gonna give him the fell blade i'm gonna make him super killy um, but at the same time, I kind of ruined the purpose of that unit. Now I've got this great guy with a strength 10 weapon, mm-hmm. you know, a lord level guy, but who's he really fighting with? He's fighting with some storm vermin that are, that are, you know, they're, 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 they're wound allocators is all they really are in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I think finding a good balance of hero level characters or cheap hero level characters with a little bit more punch or higher strength hits. Yeah. 
Well, that, that keeps your horde army a true horde. Mm-hmm. So for me, a, a true horde army is uh, is a 10 to 1 ratio. You know, for every 10 points, you have at least one model on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, 2,500-point game, you have at least 250 models on the table. And that's uh, that's a hard dance to, to, to do between damage output and tar pit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, tar pit is uh, also is a way it it kind of it's a bit of a misnomer because the other thing that you can do with 50 models or you know um, 40 models whatever it happens to be you have a huge board control right potentially Mm -hmm. um so because your your front arc can be so big if you're if you're 10 wide um even um you know being just five wide you have you have quite a, a lot of options open to you in terms of being able to move around and position yourself in such a way that it's like, okay, this area of the board is is currently mine, right? You can't bring something back here because I've just put too many bodies in your way. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's another use that you can put these big units to because you have something that's, this is where war machines come in. You have something that doesn't move very much is putting out your damage, right? So, um, you know, for the, uh, for the Tomb Kings, it's like your Screaming Skull catapults, right? Uh, your Warp Lightning cannons, the stuff that's fairly stationary. Um, you want to have a big, cheap horde near them to be able to protect them, or that's one, one possible tactic that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just, Hey, I'm going to move these guys forward until my enemy hits them. You, you have to still be savvy about who's going to hit what. Right. Yeah. Um, a good case in point, um, you know, it, with a horde army, seeing elves on the table as in my opponent is, is always good as far as I'm concerned. Um, for the most part, yeah. For the most yeah. part, because elves are toughness three. And I've got strength three, so I'm actually going to be able to wound the buggers, yep. right? You know? yep. And they uh, usually don't have they usually don't have a lot of saves. They usually don't have a ton of saves. Like you know, some of the cavalry are going to hit harder than others and be harder to wound. But yeah. in general, um, so so then you got to pick well, wh- um, which of these uh, big units that I've got am I going to try and uh, uh, get in front of? You know, which of their units? And, yeah. And that can be a little trickier. It depends on how they deploy. Um, so, so one of the things, you know, again, we're talking about this balance, you've got the 200 models in the army, um, but what are the other models that you're going to be using to, to be able to take on all comers? Some of those have got to be, you know, cheap, small drops that, that you can either put down so that your enemy is, is, you know, deploying units mm-hmm. ahead of you, or that you can use to redirect because, you know, you've got an unfavorable combat matchup and you need to be able to move them out of the way you you know for example you don't want turn two um two units of wild riders crashing into the side of your storm vermin or whatever because they'll just (laughs) literally wreck wreck them so you have to kind of you know redirect one unit away or whatever else um so i don't know how i got on that topic but i was just (laughs) somebody you were you were talking about tar pits sorry and I, oh, I, I don't remember what I You don't remember either. All right, <laughs> yeah. well, that's fine. So what do you, you said you like to see elves across the table. Yeah. What, yeah. You, what is just a horrible, horrible matchup that you One see? One-up armor saves, four-up wards. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't like, so, so you can get those, obviously warriors is the, is the trickiest one because of uh, the sheer wealth of ward saves that they have. Um, on characters. On characters, right. yeah, for okay. sure. Well, that's uh, like that's the warriors. Wa- armies that's are. how warriors armies win. Yeah. Right? yeah, they win on their characters. Um, 
Um, but even even the Empire Army, you know, the one up mounted Empire Army is is a tough one, to, tough nut to crack. Skaven, really? With yeah. all the ignore armor save stuff. Well, I mean, the good thing about a one up army is a one up armor army is that there's very few models on the table, right? You're fighting a one up Empire list. There's what like thirty knights on the table and a few war machines and two so. team tanks, and, right? And <clears throat> a life wizard who just keeps bringing them all back again yeah. and again. Um, but the actual units of knights themselves are warp lightning in, in the middle of that. Sure. Uh, it, it, you can fire warp lightning them. at them, but as soon as they get into combat, right, they've got a higher move than you have, mm-hmm. um, So and they're smaller, so they're going to be able to get into combat. Right. Um, and once they're into combat, unless it's slaves, um, you know, you can't shoot at them. And yeah. th- that's the only option that's available to Skaven. Like, for other horde armies, what I mean, what do you not like to see across the field from you? Mm, I the thing that usually kills me the most is uh, magic combos, mm-hmm. um, things that can cause panic. Yep, that's usually what, and and frankly, um, I don't really have anything that I fear that much except myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's it. Your own voice it is me. really animosity that yeah, yeah. Um, that cripples my army. Yeah. Um, I will lose matches just because I roll a one. Yep, and. Yeah, Jesse. One thing, one thing that hurt my Skaven army a lot before I swore never to ever play them again was uh, high mobility armies because yeah. I've I've got all these great and I, I I played a very heavy infantry army, you know, a horde of plague monks, a horde of storm vermin, lots of slave buses, but uh, an army with a lot of fast cav or a very maneuverable army is just going to circumvent all those all those tar pits you're trying to throw at them, and they're going to go right to the meat and potatoes of what your army is. So, yeah. See, I, and I think I I don't find that quite as much because mm-hmm. it's like um, you can dance around all day, but really the only points that you're going to be able to get, you have to come at me. Mm-hmm. I uh, think something with I think armies with enough maneuverability and the capability to bring a lot of different power into into one unit at once. Mm-hmm. Armies that have the combination of speed and hitting power combo combo that charges can do combo charges and, yeah. and just literally take out like uh, what? like what like say three units of wild riders let's say if you yep. can maneuver them and get a triple and get a combo charge with them yeah like, like my army with a whole bunch of chariots and mounted characters mm-hmm. for warriors like when i played jesse mm-hmm. and if you're able to just get you know three chariots and a couple of characters into a, a Yep. Horde. You, you will destroy you that, will just, 50, that 50 model. You will just take that horde off the table. Yep. Yep. And if you can if you can do that and single out each tarpet in turn, you will Yeah, and that's that's <clears throat> you know, we're kind of bleeding into this is how you defeat horde armies, right? Right. You right. you have to focus on a single one yeah. and annihilate it. And you, redirect and others then move while on. you're doing it. Yeah. And and meanwhile your opponent you know, as the horde player, you're trying to avoid that situation from mm-hmm. happening, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the redirectors there so that, you know, the person cannot charge your mm-hmm. your unit. Um, or you have fanatics, right, which are a, de- <laughs> a charge deterrent. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> night goblins are their own thing. Yeah. Like Skaven, Skaven I, I don't feel like I ever had any issues with really any army because I would take, um, <laughs> well, I, I took uh, the plague wind mortars, and those cracked open any armor save. Um, and then I would have, you know, assassins that would take care of any character. Um, and then I relied heavily on redirectors. I always mm-hmm. had at least uh, at least three units of rats 
of not rat darts, but um, swarms. Um, you mean their leadership 10, move 6, so they can operate outside of anywhere, still be able to march. Yeah, they're unbreakable. Um, un- yeah, so it's just like they can't be march blocked because they're leadership 10, basically. You know, it's like all those things make them great. You know, gutter runners, there's poison just mm-hmm. tears through everything. And so for me, I never really had issues with those armies. Um, and then, yeah, like uh, a warrior's army is my best matchup for. Mm-hmm. For my night goblins, mm-hmm. uh, I I kind of like seeing them across the table from me. Um, probably not very many armies actually say that, because you know the the thing that they do rely on is yeah, getting those big combos in, um, hit hit me with a huge burst of damage that would wipe out a small unit of elves, right? I have fifty bodies. They yeah. do that burst of damage. They kill twenty guys. I'm yeah. still steadfast. Yeah, and then they're stuck with me. and then what do i do i ran a mangler through me and them and they're they're the ones that lose so (laughs) um it just it just kind of you know it's a different a different style of playing it is like the the goblins are completely different from i think the other two in how they work i I think actually all of the horde armies are different in the the part that we were talking about earlier which is the punch right? yeah how you get your punch is very different from all, all three armies i and think then the undead are very different in that they have to worry about the the crumble, crumble. Mm-hmm. you yeah. can't be like i have 50 bodies so i can take it you have to be like no. i could stand to lose by 20 maybe mm. if i take 20 wounds then this unit is going to crumble well, and then yeah. the vampire counts don't have the luxury of a combo charge because they are going to lose when they charge with the skeletons or the zombies mm-hmm. or whatever else and it's just everything that's combo charged in there is also going to take those crumbles. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah the, but the advantage they have is the is the ability to come back again. Yeah, keep your neck Like Skaven are highly mobile. Like, and I I feel a huge difference when I play them versus the Night Goblins. Yeah. Like Skaven, I can be across the board in two turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, my Night Goblins. I could be halfway across the board by turn six. Those are the only ones. <laughs> Just a, yeah, if yeah. I'm lucky. If yeah. I'm lucky, or you know, turn two, I could have one unit that charges all the way across the board because it failed animosity and decided to charge and actually made a ridiculously long long charge, and then that breaks up the whole line and then yeah. the whole thing crumbles. But um, yeah, I think with uh, with Empire, if you're playing that as a horde, you actually have. Uh, quite a number of options in terms of bringing your punch because uh, um, yeah. they they have you know obviously access to all eight rulebook lores, yeah. um, so they can do the they magic can, punch pretty yeah. easily. Um, I think they probably fall down a little bit on the character punch. The characters are a little weak, um, mm. but um, they're they, they're they're yeah. okay. Yeah, um, they're okay. But like the monstrous cav, obviously with the demigriffs is very good. Um, and again, they don't really have much in the way of monsters, but Carl Franz. Um, yeah, yeah, Carl Franz. <laughs> well, that's a I whole mean, different ballgame. Steam ball tank game. could be considered a monster. Yeah. So. Steam tank, yeah, yeah. It <laughs> fulfills a similar role. Yeah, I guess. it fills yeah. a similar role. Yeah. So I, I mean, and the the Horde Empire army. At first, it looks amazing because it's it's seldom done. Yeah. Um, you'll see far more Skaven and VC and and Night Goblin armies than you will probably empire horde armies um but yeah they they look incredible but yeah you're right they can do they can have the artillery to back them up yep so they could just stand there and not even care they can you know they can do stubborn blocks they can do the huge sword master 
or uh, uh, swordsman uh, blocks. Yep, yeah, great sword. Great swords. Those yeah. are the ones. You know, those stubborn. You know, with detachments that are stubborn. With warrior priests too. With to warrior make priests. Them yeah. Them. yeah. So there's Lords. there's so much that they can do, and um, yeah, they they have an answer to a lot of stuff that's um, pretty nasty and fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think to go back to your original topic on how to beat Horde Armies, I found the, the the opponents that beat me the most, or the games I lost the most by, were the ones where my big blocks just never engaged anything. Mm -hmm. They were able to successfully outmaneuver me or outnavigate and say, you know what, yeah, you've got 50 slaves, that's great. I'm not going to touch them. Pick off everything else. Yep, yep, yeah, they, they were the ones who would go around and kill my hell pit, you know, take it down in some flaming attacks, or they'd kill the general or the war machines, but just... You know, avoid those tar pits because that's exactly what you want to happen. Because mm -hmm. I want those tar pits to get into combat. Yeah, the number it's... one way to win against um, basically any horde army is kill the general and the mm -hmm. BSB. Yeah. Um, almost everyone, including the Empire, rely on the inspiring presence and the hold your ground rules to keep the army alive. Because almost all those units have really low leadership themselves. Um, my night goblins are leadership five. You kill my general. There's no way I'm sticking to combat. Um, I'm I'm off the board, or even a panic check, you know. Mm. Uh, so you know, Skaven, if uh, it's you, marginally better for Skaven, it's marginally but better, but um, it can it can fall apart pretty quick Very once quickly. you kill once you kill that Gray Seer, get rid of that Warlord, whatever it is. Yep. And all of a sudden, that that bubble is gone, and things yep. start falling apart, especially on those small elite units that you were relying on to have high leadership yeah um the so, flip side of that is of course as a horde player protect your bsp pro protect your your general. your general yeah. yeah so sometimes um you know if you need to take a magic standard on your bsp uh put him in a unit where he can stay in the second protected in the second rank right because you've got yeah. other characters in the front rank in a command group or whatever else um otherwise you know You've got two four-up wards in the in the um, army book. That's what they're for. One's for your general. Yeah. <laughs> one is for your BSB. And and if you're doing otherwise, you better have a really good reason for it. Yeah. Well, standard of discipline, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, for sure. Reason. Yeah. Right. You, you know, you that's a very good reason. Yeah, that's about you. the only reason I can think of. Um, yeah. For for me, it's the storm banner, right? You know, the Skaven. Um, there's only you can have max three magical banners, and that's only if you're taking plague monks. So if you don't take plague monks, you've got the one on the storm vermin mm -hmm. and your BSB. So if you need to have one on the storm vermin that isn't the storm banner, like for example the razor banner, because you need them to have that extra bit of armor piercing, mm -hmm. um, then you know you're kind of stuck with putting the storm banner on the on the BSB. Um, but yeah, uh, so so we talked a bit about um, building out the core the the um the units themselves right the hordes themselves uh we talked a bit about punch in terms of it can be artillery it can be magic it could be heroes um it can be monsters uh we talked a little bit about um how you can use the different um, types of units that you've got to try and control the combat and and but you really you're you're always seeking to engage in combat, right? This is kind of how you you end up uh, um, end up winning. Um, do you need to though? Do you need to? Uh, I guess you could take a pure gun line. Even if you haven't got a gun line, 
as long as you have, if you even if you don't have a gun line, if you have any kind of ranged advantage over your opponent, is it better for the horde army to just try and maintain the points in their hordes? Yeah, and I, pick off whatever points they can with their ranged advantage, and maybe I yeah, that's what I do a lot with my goblins. Yeah, like I'll I'll form a battle line, <clears throat> right, um, and. You don't need to have Use. a gun line, but if you're playing warriors who have no shooting at all, yeah. Yeah. and you have a couple of yeah, squid that's actually true, and some fanatics that can hurt them as they come towards you, yeah. then well, and if they come towards me, they have to eat, eat fanatics, right? So exactly. They're kind of damned if they do, damned if they so don't. So why so. seek combat um, if you but, don't have to? Yeah. yeah. So the but the problem is, is when you do that, you will find that you are playing to a draw. The there's not a unless you're doing a full gun line. You're never going to remove somebody's army from the table. Yeah. Um, and just standing back with a few tertiary kind of supporting war machines or magic casters um, and then a full horde, you're not going to win a game. You'll be playing for a draw. Yeah. Which, you know, if you're playing in a team event, maybe that's what you're supposed to do that, that mm-hmm. round. Or if it's but, a, if it's an opponent where you feel like, oh, the best I'm going to do is a draw right. here. Yeah. You know, maybe if you say, right if I do. go forward and engage these, I'm going to get combo charged, I'm going to get smashed. Well, or, yeah, yeah, if you break your I, line, then they're going to get in on your right. flank or something like that and yeah. roll your line. So maybe so. I just go for a minor victory by yeah. picking off little bits. But I'll be yeah. frank, when I build a horde list, I build it with the intent of engaging in combat. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, I, I want, first off it, it suits my style of play. I'm a pretty aggressive player. I like getting into combat. Um, but beyond that, I want to be able to, to, um, I want to be able to try and get the big wins. And, and what I've found with winning is, um, in combat, we were talking about the punch earlier. Your punch is not there so that you um, wipe out the other unit, right? It's not like Wild Riders where their punch is all about, this is how many, you know, attacks we're going to dish out and we're just going to wreck that unit so bad that it's it's entirely dead or, you know, down to just so few models. Your punch is there so that you take that, you know, you take that first hit from whatever your opponent is dishing out and then you smack it back enough to win the combat because of your strength in numbers and this little bit of punch, mm-hmm. right? So you've got, you know, you've, you've got your plus three from your mm-hmm. ranks. You've got your banner. You, maybe you've got your battle standard in there. So you're swinging with five static combat res, right? Maybe you've got a flank. So you've got another, you know, uh, plus two combat res on top of that or plus one. Um, so your punch is just there to overcome the amount of damage that they're going to do back to you, right? To, over, to, to mm-hmm. make sure that they don't do so much damage to overcome your static combat res. And then you break them and and beat them that way. This is how, you know, um, if you're going to win in combat, that's how you're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it, there. I think there's there's definitely validity, but it, it's like any shooting or ranged advantage um, across across the army as a whole. You, like if you think of what else, um, the whole point of the shooting is not to annihilate units; it's to soften the units up so that the bits that the, the can get in combat are going to really win in combat when they get there. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So we covered, covered a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, the one thing we haven't covered yet is deployment (laughs) (laughs) because deployment is actually quite tricky with horde armies compared to other armies. And once we've covered deployment, I think we can wrap it up and, Mm -hmm. and call it a night. 
Um, so, so Ricky, I know you have like a, uh, you almost have a formula for your deployment a little for bit. The night goblins, for the night yeah. goblins. It depends on, uh, of course there is some, you know, don't give it away before the, the masters, zone. Ricky. It, it does <laughs> depend on the, z- the zone I end up in. It also depends on the opponent I'm playing against. Um, depends on if I want to send my manglers out to die or if I want to keep them in reserves. So that'll determine where I deploy within my zone. If I want to keep my manglers back, I try and keep a zone on the back edge that they can just run laps on behind my line. So I'll be a little further forward in my zone. Otherwise, I'll probably be back a little bit. Um, for yeah, So the night comms will be in a big T formation usually um, with the trolls in the middle, um, front and center, two units of squigs on, you know, a unit of squig on each side of that. And then my big horde formations of boys um, behind those two units. So I have kind of a reverse V formation going on. My general, BSB, my level four, they all sit back in the boys behind that big front line that's a meat shield that's immune to psychology. Go ahead and shoot it. You have to shoot it because if you let those units hit you at full power, they can destroy you. You know, a full unit of squigs or a full unit of trolls is just nasty. Um, so people do shoot them. Um, they're immune to psych, so I don't care. Um, and when they're shooting those units, they're not shooting my general. So <laughs> I'm happy. Yep. Um, you know, the manglers, uh, I tend to drop like I w- like most people drop chaff. You know, they drop early, depending on what I want to do with them. Um, if I see that they have artillery, I'll drop them late, trying to keep them as far away, keep them alive. Um, but in general, if they're shooting the manglers, they're not shooting other stuff. So I'm usually not too worried about it. Um, but you also have to kind of plan. You have to look at your zone. Um, the thing, if you're going to play a horde army, you need to get them out on movement trays on your dining table and practice it. Um, because you will be surprised at how much room it takes up. And, you will be surprised that if you are not mindful of the one-inch rule, that all of a sudden you can't move your entire army um, because you just can't wheel it. Yep. <laughs> um, there's things like that you got to keep an eye out for. And and I hate to be the guy that's that does it, but I have gone up against other horde armies that um, put their units side by side and try and wheel them just an inch away from each other yeah and i and i won't let them do it i tell you know i'm like hey i'm a horde army too and i've figured this out you gotta have you gotta have um four inches i think if you're 20 mils i think if you're a five by 10 mil 20 mils you got to have at least four inches between each unit in order to make a legal wheel to actually clear and not break that one inch line so um be mindful of that. Now, if you are trying to, de- you know, um, deny the, any unit the ability to charge you in the flank, and you're just trying to form a static wall, like we were just saying, is one of the defenses that horde armies can do, where they just deploy on the back edge in a solid wall. Then, yeah, you can do that, where you're just like right there, and nothing's going to hit you. Yep. But be careful if they get one, you know, if they have any spells that cause auto panics or hell cannons that cause auto panics. Um, that can take your whole army off the, that back edge right away. So yep, yep, very quickly. Um, so yeah, there's a there's definitely an art to it. Um, Skaven, I would run a mixture of buses and hordes, and that becomes 
a tough balance. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, you always deploy your A bomb sideways. Make sure you do that. You know, get those. <laughs> get that extra inch. Get and that half. extra inch and a half, yeah. people. Um, everybody does it. Don't feel bad about it. Um, so yeah, there's like I said, just practice it. You have to practice it, and then you're gonna find what works well for uh, the army you're trying to play. Because certain hordes play different ways. I'm sure Jesse Jesse has his down to a formula too because mm-hmm. he has to keep uh you know the the, the corpse cart between the two the two and units the and the mortis and engines the on each side and you know things like that that he has to kind of balance and and uh so yeah. and, I, and I learned that the hard way too just like what Ricky was saying when I first played Skaven I had all these giant blocks of infantry I could put down and my first two games, I never really thought about just how I'd fit these onto a board that's, you know, mm. only six feet wide and there's terrain to, to block it. You know, one tower can make the difference. If I put, you know, one horde here and then one horde there, all of a sudden there's no way for me to get my general or my, you know, my bunker anywhere where I can actually use their inspiring presence yeah. or something. So uh, with my vampire accounts, I got a lot more formulaic where, you know, my army is essentially going down the same way. It's just where I put it. Yeah. Um, you know, I always have to have the corpse cart, you know, close to whatever block of skeletons I think is going to get the most combat or if I can try and get it close to the grave guard or the hex rates or something. Um, what the nuances for me were uh, with the vampire accounts was learning how to put my heroes down. You know, I always took it for yeah. granted where my heroes would always just go in the unit. I'm like, oh, whatever. It's going to be in this unit. That's how I'm going to play it. No, that's key. But then I realized, yeah, you know, my, my, my opponent, you know, he may well have a Death Star of White Lions or he may well have a Death Star of Phoenix Guard or something else that I really need to, to focus on or try and give myself some more punch to mitigate that combat resolution. Um, so what I've, what I finally done is I stopped putting my heroes in the units by default, which was just, you know, poor, kind yeah. of lazy, like lazy playing. And I realized, well, there, there's times where I should put four or five heroes in this unit and disregard this other unit and mm-hmm. use them just as a tar pit. Uh, and that's really where I've noticed the biggest difference, especially playing with vampires. You know, mm-hmm. I had three hero level vampires. Get them and, all in one unit. Oh yeah. They just... would make, put them in any unit, even if it's a bunker of 20 skeletons and that would all of a sudden become the fiercest unit. And that would be my game change. That would be my pivot, you know, where I can move them up and have uh, my mm-hmm. combat resolution totally change. Yeah. So yeah, and another thing that that I found, you know, if you have some of those heroes around, especially, um, you know, with Skaven, um, because slaves um, are such low leadership by default, um, you can't really put slaves outside of the leadership bubble of the general. No. However, what you can do is you put a fifteen point um, warlock engineer who's leadership five in there. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden, with the three ranks, they're leadership eight, yep. and they can be outside the bubble. But if you don't have that option to, you know, if you don't have that cheap character in there, then then you just you just can't do it. I found that one out the hard way for sure. Um, it's the same, I think. Um, maybe not quite as 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 dramatic with some of with the night goblins, but I think with the undead, like some of those um, units are are very low leadership. Yeah, all um, like leadership two and leadership three. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. one unit of bow boys that I keep in my army all the time, and they almost always are panicked off the board because they're leadership five yeah and i find them impossible to get within the bubble most of the time and i use them usually to stick off in a corner and draw away something yeah Um, people always almost always take the bait because they're getting like they're like right over there yeah it's 90 points though so they just ran over there killed 90 points and good job these yeah, are, these are also the bow boys that in King of Cascadia Ricky used to kill my dire wolves <laughs> and hex wraiths that I foolishly sent over there, thinking it would be a. Well, I put the, uh, I put the, the wizarding in. hat in there, and I had I rolled uh, up what's the, the spell that lets you pass all leadership tests? 
on the wizarding hat. Oh, is that the light? Oh, it's, it's a light, light spell. One, yeah. yeah, I think light of battle or light something of like that. Yeah. And uh, so I would cast that every turn because, and he was like, "You can have it," because he didn't want to waste dice on it, right? So I kept that on that that unit of bow boys, <laughs> and I was passing every leadership test. So I was nice. able to reform them into a nice little five wide, stubborn like block and just pass every Combat leadership yeah and i hate those boo boys <laughs> yep and i eventually uh pulled down yeah the the wolves and the hex rays died to combat res it took the whole game but they died to God. combat res <laughs> God. that's funny that's shameful yeah bad. light of battle boo who boys. knew it had a use right <laughs> oh. uh, but yeah so those you know if uh if there was a room for those guys because i originally made them to be that small unit of bow boys was going to be a bunker for my general but it was too small of a bunker and so they are still in there for my core tax but i use them as bait to draw people out so if you ever play me and you see those bow boys and don't don't take the bait (laughs) (laughs) you're you're only going to get 90 points and you're probably going to send 200 points over there to get them so um but if i kill those 90 points and kill a mangler or two then it's a win then it's a win and you'll almost always kill the manglers or they'll kill themselves (laughs) yeah then it's a win yeah uh cool so uh, I think, you know, I, I would quite happily talk for another hour about Horde Armies because I'm, I've been playing a lot of Skaven lately. Um, but I think that's probably, I think we covered a lot of good points there. So I think we can we can wrap that up. Oversized Meatball. So that wraps up uh, episode 16 of um, Dimensional Cascade. Um, you know, what I... What I had originally intended to do at some point in this episode, and I'm only just remembering it now, and it's kind of ironic, um, is take a look back at the last year. Um, you know, we, we've only been going about a year. Um, you know, I think in episode one or two, we talked about our hobby uh, New Year's resolutions, and I don't think any of us stuck to them, which was... <laughs> Uh, and you know, <laughs> we, all have, we all have we all have nerd Thomas remember finish your chaos dwarves maybe was that one uh, if that was one then I didn't stick I think yeah Tom might have even finished his chaos dwarves um, uh, or even start his chaos dwarves I don't think he'd any painted at that point yeah, maybe, maybe you were just finishing them up uh, finishing up acquiring them Ricky was going to be working on his lizard man <laughs> I was going to be working on my lizard man. Uh-huh. And Taylor, I was probably also working on quest. Warhammer yeah, quest. Warhammer quest. And Taylor, Taylor, oh, yeah, you were gonna work on that. Taylor was going to be building his death metal demons <coughs> list. Um, yeah, that was fun. But uh, and then and then also you know kind of a chance to do the same thing for for this year. Um, but uh, I figure we can we can maybe keep that for the next episode. Um, so I'm rebase my whole army. You're gonna rebase my whole <laughs> yeah. Army. yeah, I'm afraid to have aspirations for this year. So uh, yeah, that was episode 16. If you want to reach out to us, um, uh, I'm on Twitter at, at Cascade Podcast, and Ricky's at Ricky underscore Fisher for the C. And Tom and Jesse still any any sign of joining the 21st century yet, guys? No. no? We're also on Facebook. You just search for Dimensional Cascade and you can find Jesse's us like our got page a there. New TV show coming out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesse's on a TV show. A show that should um, not be mentioned. <laughs> if, if you can find Jesse on a TV show, uh, I will give you a Dimensional Cascade t shirt. <laughs> um, so, um, giant interactive game of Wes Waldo. Yeah, yeah. Spot Jesse on your TV screen. <laughs> it's a six foot seven Waldo. Um, 
Yeah, you can uh, join us on our forums, dimensionalcascade.com, and uh, you know, feel free to heckle us from there. And if there's anything you want to see, uh, or hear, I should say, on, a, on an episode in terms of Hobby Horse or uh, Art of War or um, our campaign corner, please let us know. We're always happy to take uh, suggestions and you know, file them in the big round bin. Um, but, uh, yeah, I know, that would, that would actually require people to listen to us and give, it, give a, 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 a care. Uh, almost, almost dropped the F-bomb. Okay, so it's obviously very late at night. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up and say thank you very much to my three wonderful co-hosts. And good night to everyone.